to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is Dr. Strangelove, the 1964 dark comedy by Stanley Kubrick. Go ahead and pop in your DVD. Press play. Press pause when the Columbia Pictures logo fades to black. And in a second, I'll say 3, 2, 1 on pause. I'll press play. You'll press play. Watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like another commentary. <sighs> Except, of course, with four friends in your head who are probably going to be feeling kind of bleak. <laughs> anyway, at the table this week. Wow. wow. All right. Okay. It's just like. <laughs> We're off to a flying start. Yeah, man. Yeah, so anyway. It's just, man, it's war, man. War. It's uh, deep and black. Your war friends is funny. Your friends at the table today are myself, as always, T. Christie, and Brian William Fenderder. Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. Hi. And Trey the Amazing Stokes. I'm just as capable of doing commentary as you are, Dimitri. <laughs> I, don't always, I don't just come when there's a movie. I only saw this movie once, and I saw it before I had done Down in Front. So I didn't really understand Kubrick or hadn't really kind of worked our way through after Full Metal Jacket 2001. What it is that Kubrick is doing. We're sort of doing Kubrick backwards. Yeah, yeah. We are, we are. <laughs> Next stop, Lolita. Lolita yeah. well, pa- Paths of Glory. We're starting in the middle and going backwards. Eventually, it's a work our way well, didn't we, to our, Eyes Wide w- Shut. Wasn't, well, yeah, that's true. Well, our first was Full Metal Jacket, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, our first was AI, but that you know, never happened. Yeah. And that's not a Kubrick film. <laughs> <laughs> damn it. God damn it, you son of a bitch. Spielberg. Anyway. Look, this was pretty story-driven comparatively, I would say. Well, yeah. no, no. It is story-driven. Well, no, no, it's it's, it's no, no. one of his few adaptations. Yeah. It's based on a novel. It's story-driven, but I don't. I, I recall not buying anything that anyone does. Mm. I recall thinking everyone is acting ridiculously, except for the president. Well, it is a farce. It definitely is. Is that right? Um, are we doing me now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go off on a whole thing. Oh no, yeah, go for it. Uh, I I adore this movie. I absolutely. Well, as as you guys know, I'm a big fan of airplanes and comedy. So this movie is right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, and a comedy about airplanes. Yeah, and for a, a, so it's a, a very snobbish like yourself. It's a very specific Venn diagram. But I I adore <laughs> yeah. this movie and. Uh, as this, I read Catch-22 at a very specific point in my life where it, it resonated very deeply with me because <clears throat> I was in this, I was in ROTC at the time and we were in this process of invading a country for no real good reason and war was like, wow, this is everything, this is all really, really stupid, everything that's happening. And uh, Dr. Strangelove is, is very similar. It's like, this is, it may be... It may be uh, farcical, it may be over the top in certain ways, but there's some kernel of truth that exists in both this and Catch-22 that I is exactly, like, it's some greater uh, expression of the real truth of the military and war and just the absurdity and the ridiculousness of it that I think this captures beautifully and, and Catch-22 does as well. Damn, Brian, you're scary. Yeah, I, I love this movie deeply, deeply. <laughs> Alrighty. Does this movie talk to you even when it's not playing? <laughs> I listen to it when I go to sleep at night. Yeah, dark man. Um, are, I, are you crazy too? I only saw this movie really recently. It's funny um, uh, what you were saying because I saw this movie really recently, like within the the last year or so. Uh, I saw it for the first time, and the only I liked it. But the only part I found really hysterically ridiculous was Doctor Strangelove himself when he comes in at yeah, the end, yeah. because the rest of it. Like, you're talking about it, oh, it's ridiculous, and you're like, oh, it's obviously a farce and stuff like that. I'm watching it, and I'm like, I can totally see exactly these things happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't I didn't see it as being ridiculous at all. I'm like, this is... Well, that's is- the scary thing. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it, you, it, it's kind of like in District 9, where, uh, you know, he uh, blows up all the babies, and you're like, yeah. that's ridiculous. Nobody would ever do that. Yeah. But you have to acknowledge People to yourself, always do that yeah. a lot. People do that a lot. Yeah. And so- it's like, you don't want to believe that this is human behavior in here, but the scary thing is... It totally is. Yeah. The, the one thing that I it, that actually made me think that in the first place was the uh, precious human fluids stuff. Was was, mm. was it the uh, the commander in the beginning? 
Yeah. Everything else in the war room, I could actually kind of well, kind of kind of see well, happening. The, the the commander, it 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 slowly comes out that he's a complete nut bar. So yeah. whatever he says, it's like, well, you write that off as he's out of his mind. <laughs> so well, the whole the whole movie is about you know it's about wars because old men can't get it up. I mean that's that's what that's what that's the message of the movie. Yeah, is we have wars because old men can't have sex anymore. The pretty ladies, exactly, or they want to impress ladies and they want yeah, to show man. their power and so on. It's like, but the whole movie the whole movie everything in the movie is you know every character's name is a sexual uh, uh euphemism it's either sexual or scatological exactly way, yeah. and uh, yeah it was just button. like down in front exactly uh, <laughs> we hold on get... i gotta i gotta go take a dark man yeah oh is that what the amazing and trade yeah that's, is? that's you better believe it baby that's right, because Buck Turgidson was taken, so I went with Trey <laughs> the Amazing Stokes. Um, Turgid, of course, means swollen. Look it up. But, uh, and Buck, you know, we all know him. So, I, well, again, you know, this is another movie that, uh, you know, comes from a different era that I lived in. Um, you know, the, the real Cold War, which I guess you guys don't really quite have. It. I mean, it's, it's, is the Cold War like the Civil War to you guys? <laughs> it's just like, you know. I, I do find it hilarious <laughs> when, you know, as, as a Democrat and as a very liberal person, people from the other side will accuse us of being communists yeah. and socialists as if that, like, will carry the same weight as if it's 1951. It yeah. is. Well, and it does to people, people, to people older, people older than me or even people my age. You know, it's like I was – we we were not – I did not have – I did not do a drill where I had to hide under my desk because of the nuclear bomb. But we, we never actually did the drill. But we talked my about it. My dad did. My dad yeah, did the yeah, exactly. drill. Yeah, exactly. People just a little yeah. older than me, that was part of their lives. And we talked about it and we had bomb shelters in my schools and, you know, and then – and we would, you know, sneak in there and break open the supplies and go, oh, look, iodine pills. I wonder what those are for. Um, you know, bottled water that's all, it's all expired and evaporated you know, and broken. It's, you know, oh, we're, we're prepared. We're ready. <laughs> we're ready for the big one. But the, I was just talking to some uh, folks more my age, hanging out with my own peer group uh, at a, at a get-together last week. And, and we were talking about the Cold War and about how, you know, th- that living in the 60s and the 50s, late 50s, early 60s, so I was a little too young, but even the late 60s, you know, we, we somehow we managed to live, you know, in a day to day reality where we might be all annihilated in a nuclear holocaust. And that was very much part of our consciousness all the time, that that was a reality, that that could happen. And uh, and a lot of that was predicated by Dr. Strangelove. I think, you know, the idea like in 64, this movie, you know, and again, I'm, this is where, back to my point is this, this movie is 60, 1964. This is the absolute height of the Cold War. We just had the Cuban Missile Crisis when this movie came out. Um, you know, this whole idea that the Russians were flat out crazy and might just decide, screw the Americans and push the button any moment of your life. It could just start happening. And this movie then even dared to suggest we might actually even do it by accident. Yeah. This whole thing might go down because somebody, everyone's so trigger happy yeah, and we're right nut, on the edge. Yeah, some nut yeah. bar just you know makes a phone call and we're all dead. Um, and that's true. That I mean that that you know the safeguards were supposedly in place, but uh, you know there were ways. And and a lot of the popular culture. And this is the conversation I was having last week. A lot of the popular culture dealt with nuclear holocaust as if we almost like wanted to have it so we could get it over with. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm start, I'm sick of living with this. I just want it to happen. I just want let's just have it already. Let's just do it. Um because this movie uh, this movie came out at the same time cuz a movie called Failsafe which is based on a popular novel which which this movie competed with because it's the same st- same topic. It's about an, a mistake that leads to nuclear holocaust except that was a very serious movie and worth watching. Um, and based on a novel and a lot of novels and my, my parents had these books and you know, this on the beach is another one that uh, was about post-nuclear life and so this movie I'm, I'm it's yet another one of those ones where I can't impress on you how amazingly shocking and crazy radical this movie was for its time to suggest that our military leaders were a bunch of 
impotent nutbags who didn't know what the hell they were doing. That's a that's a movie that would be quite shocking today. Frankly. Exactly. It's like if, yeah, if, if you'd done like like two years after nine eleven, you did yeah. like you know the Bush White House and just yeah. depicted them in this. If way. If you made the Men Who Stare at Goats like a week after nine eleven, exactly, that would be yeah. the situation. So and 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 all of that uh, is is part of the subtext. But at the same time, I just rewatched this movie very recently as well, and and it's worth watching. Um, just to see how amazingly ahead of his time Kubrick was as a filmmaker. Because visually this film, except for a few moments of effects and so on, but the visual look of this film is is still pretty striking today. Cool. So that being said, if your DVD is uh, popped in and paused at the point where the Columbia logo fades to black, as it is here, get your mouse remote ready. We're going to watch the movie. Three, two, one, on pause. Clouds. It's the opening to Avatar. <laughs> it totally is. I, was, I had these dreams that Pandora, I could fly. Dream that I was flying. Pandora. In this movie, we're about to jump into actual stock footage, but this, this might have been stuff. They actually sent a, a plane to fly over Iceland and Greenland and so on to get a lot of the backgrounds for the B-52 sequences, and this might be one of those shots that they got. But uh, they actually sent a plane that said Dr. Strangelove on the side, <laughs> and, uh, and they flew all around uh, the, the Arctic Circle. And they got forced down because they accidentally flew over one of our air bases that no one knew was there. Yeah. And jet fighters came and forced them down and, and searched them and questioned them. And they're flying around in a plane called Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> and they're like, who are you people? Like, We're from <laughs> Hollywood. We're shooting movie. We're shooting a movie about yeah. about pretty much this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so right here off the bat, the movie, you know. Oh, look, it's the where the wild things are. The mo- yeah, the movie tells you what it's going to be about. You know, this like, wait, what? Um, and this is stock footage because they received no cooperation from the Air Force whatsoever <laughs> making this movie. The Air Force was not behind this movie at all um, for that's obvious one, reasons. Oh, that's one plane having sex with another plane. That's exactly. Apropos. It's, exactly. It starts with, with two planes fucking. And that tells you right away what the, <laughs> what the movie's going to be about. And, you know, the, the music, by the way, it's Try a Little Tenderness is the, uh, is the music <laughs> we're listening to. Um, I actually didn't make the sex connection when I saw this. When you see the movie time. at I the age of 10, so now, it, it probably doesn't do it Glenn for Beck. you. I was going to say, Glenn oh, Beck. Oh, Glenn oh. Beck, what? Um, and of course, uh, you that know, there, explains a lot. There's a couple of there's a couple of familiar names in the credits. Obviously, we'll get to a certain actor that we all know and love. Um, a f- tidbit about I just watched a whole making of about this movie, so I have all kinds of Pablo Ferro. There's a tiny print print down below. Pablo Ferro is the guy who designed these main titles. This weird that's, look. That's amazing that he wrote his name. Yeah, he wrote tiny. his name so small. Um, he's also uh, he, he's not. He, I think he's he's uh, he's Hispanic. I don't know if he's Mexican or whatever. But um, if you notice, uh, there's a credit that's going to come up. It's when it's the the based on. Based on the novel, because this was based on a, a serious yeah. novel about nuclear holocaust. But look very closely at the tiny print; it's misspelled. It says "base," based on a novel, uh, um, down in the bottom left. But I love that. I love the the. Uh, I, I love based, on the based on the book. Based on the book. Oh, based on the book. Based on the book. No picture. I yeah. like how a uh, lot of it is. Was it good for you? <laughs> a I'm, lot of the stuff that he like the largest text. In in the credits yeah. is like exactly the wrong word. Well, the reason, yeah. Well, the reason for the and associates. The, the reason behind this, is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when they put this put the credits together, they had standard credits at first, and they didn't like the look of it. So the reason they had these giant spindly credits is because you could read the credits and look at the picture at the same time. Uh, yeah. That was the uh, that was the theory behind it. So a lot of this movie, these exteriors are, are, you know, there's a lot of stock footage that they literally just bought a lot of stock footage. And then they did some very proto visual effect shots, some of which almost work and some of which don't quite. Um, but uh, Kubrick even then was was just kind of pushing the envelope of, of inventing effects to and, and supervising them himself. I don't know why that was funny. I don't know how he made that funny, but he did just 
the act of pulling a piece of paper away <laughs> yeah. and looking. It's it's Sellers is you know Sellers is a, one of the great comedic geniuses. He really is, and and he and he really, it's amazing how. Sellers plays three roles in this. If you don't know, you'll you'll spot that fairly quickly. But you know, it becomes so quickly not an issue. It, yeah. it, it's so quickly, you know. It, I didn't realize it until about halfway through. I'm like, wait, that's the same guy. That's Peter Sellers again. <laughs> um, and it's and he's and he plays three very distinct characters, and he plays them all really well. And uh, you know, he's just, and this was a thing that he was doing at the time. He just they just done Kubrick had just done Lolita. And Sellers was in that, and he played multiple roles in that. And he played – it was a British It was a British thing. I mean, you know, Alec Guinness in the Ealing comedies would play – it was the thing that they – kind of a style that they would do as a British thing where they would play multiple characters. It was just sort of a, a thing that they would do in movies. Yeah. And in the, the, the glorious tradition today, we have Norbit. We have Norbit, yes. <laughs> so who knew so, that uh, well the mantle would be passed from Peter Sellers to, uh, to Eddie Murphy? <laughs> Sterling Hayden was, uh, you know, a character actor who'd been around for a while. He actually came out of retirement to do this movie. This guy? Yeah, Sterling Hayden is uh, General uh, General Ripper. Jack D. Ripper. Jack D. Ripper. So. Probably the most obvious of wordplays. <laughs> yeah, well, the bad guano is pretty up there, too. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But uh, and Muffley is a little more subtle. You have to, to kind of hang out in strip clubs to get what those are, but... Uh, Which I don't know why those exist. What Merkins? Merkins. Oh, <laughs> which for those of you who don't know, it's a wig for your pubic area. Yeah. I knew you wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to ask, you don't get it. I guess. <laughs> I guess it's. I guess it's. Is it so that you're not technically nude or what? I don't. Know. I don't. I don't. I wasn't there when they were invented. See, my whole thing about if you know you can remove it, you can leave it. You, you just can't have your cake and eat it too. It's just you got you to pick a side, guys. Pubic hair status is binary, okay? Pick a side. We're about to be at war. Yeah, yeah really. Get with the program and come in for the big win. Okay, so this so I jump on the beach. Chemtrails. Yeah. Oh, no. chemtrails. oh my god, even the chemtrails. So so this is here's some of that Greenland stock footage in this. They just had a big B fifty two model and they hung it in front of a screen and they projected it. And a lot of times it, it works surprisingly well. Sometimes it doesn't quite work. And they could have done a little better, but sometimes these shots, you know, it's it's more, it's you know, the stabilization issue is really the biggest uh, killer in a lot of these shots. Yeah, I watched this uh, a few months ago at the New Beverly, and it oh, on a big screen, yeah, on a I big imagine screen doesn't hold it doesn't up hold up at well. all. For '64, though, it's pretty spectacular. Oh, I'm sure, certainly. Yeah, you know, but I a like lot of it is the especially way, a shot the, like that. Yeah, well, they yeah. actually they would do these little coordinated right. turns that sometimes work really well. Chemtrail, chemtrail. So there, Slim Pickens, which is that Slim Pickens is you know if you watch an old John Wayne western, you know he literally is a cowboy actor. Oh, point this out, Trey. Oh, uh, this girl here, you'll see her in a minute. This, this is the only female in the film, and she plays two roles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll see her again in a few minutes. So uh, one of these, uh, well, some several of these uh, actors are. Uh, you'll see a guy. I can't think of Shane Rimmer. I believe is the actor's there's name. There's James Earl Jones. And there's on the right. hey, who's that guy on the right? There's a black guy there. When he was like five years old. Yeah, he was. Well, was his first movie. Ah. This is his literally his very first movie. Um, he was, uh, he'd been in, he was in, I believe it's Merchant of Venice with George mm. C. Scott and, uh, Kubrick went to see George C. Scott in Merchants of Venice to, to see if he wanted to use him in the movie. And he said, I like that black guy too. Let's get him. So <laughs> that's how, that's you know, nice. pretty much how, how James Earl Jones got into this movie. He gave him a small part in the movie. Calmly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, good thing. I don't know what that means, but it's a thing. And so. again, this was, you know, the whole, the, the sack bombers orbiting at their failsafe points. Again, this was reality in my youth. Mm. You know, we knew, you know, we literally had planes 24 seven 
hovering just outside Russian airspace. Ready to go. Ready to go all the time, 24-7. Strategic Air Command, you know, was a real thing. And it was a big deal when – I forget when they finally stood down the bombers. It wasn't that long ago that we finally stopped having, you know – The the 24-hour patrol. 24-hour sack bombers. We still have B-52s. It's a plane that's still in service. We totally do because they're the best bombers we've ever made. They they can carry a huge amount of ordnance. there's a I forget what other movies it is, but uh, Strange Love has been so so you know influ- influential that uh, the CRM CRM one one four is a is a running joke that people yeah. will use. I forget what are the what are the remember what are the other movies that the CR- well Kubrick uses it again in two thousand one. Oh, okay. Uh, for uh, one of the pieces on the spaceship, and then yeah, it gets used. I, I think I used it in my in my science fiction. Yeah, there's movie. some, but some other you know, main, mainstream movies have made some reference to the CRM one one four. They'll put they'll put a CRM one one four on a on a you know control panel or something like that. It's like a you know it's not quite as popular as THX one one three eight, but right, it's, but it's, it's, it's up league. there. Yeah. yeah, it's like the discerning man's THX one one three eight reference. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> See, it's the CRM one one four. Now, if you put both of them in one movie, I think you will create a singularity. <laughs> The so Slim Pickens had, um, fun fact, this movie was shot in England, and uh, Slim Pickens had never left the United States. He, he had to, to come do this movie. He had to get his first passport hmm. uh, just to be able to come to England. <laughs> I love all the double chat. No, 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 wait. Yeah. Well, let's go yeah, over this, this again. This can't be happening. Okay, wait, wait. F. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, sure. Jeez. Yeah, you really? <laughs> well, when you're talking about blowing up the world. Yeah. I mean, it's a you got, crazy, you- crazy responsibility. I, so really, we should we should appreciate the fact that they're yeah, quadruple yeah. checking here, yeah, exactly. as opposed to like what are oh, all right. That's okay, launch, boom, done. And then you find out that the you know the gizmo oh, was like, oh, yeah, it just meant happy birthday is what it actually was saying. Yeah. Was CRM one one three. So, <laughs> so there we go. Hey, Darth Vader's in the hatch there. What the hell? That's crazy. And they're still like munching, like yeah, okay. But it does. It, it's it's kind of like the. What, oh, war games, the beginning of war games. Uh, you know yeah. the the idea that there's you know there's these these are guys. There are guys, and this was their life. You know, it's like we're going to fly and we're going to orbit, and then we go back home again. And it does become like delivering the mail, mm-hmm. but there's always the chance that you know this time one day that message is going to come up, and you're going to go, wait, what? This is it. War games is a movie that I grew up with, and it's I watched it again recently, and it's quite good. But I was surprised because one of the guys in that sequence is Leo McGarry. Yeah, and the other guy is Mr. Blonde. Yeah. Michael Ma- Michael Madsen, it's Michael Madsen wow, and really? Leo McGarry and John Spencer, like trying to decide whether to blow up the world together. Turn your key, sir. It is. I, I, I didn't even remember it in my head, but now that you say it, it's like, oh yeah, that was John Spencer and Morgan. So this role was the fourth role that Peter Sellers was playing originally. Mm. He and was there's actually- a bunch of different stories floating around about why he didn't <laughs> why, he, doing why he it. stopped doing it, um, such as. Um, one was that he, he couldn't quite get this because the, the character was the same character. Um, so he was having trouble with the Texas accent, supposedly, that he couldn't quite get that one. And uh, and the other versions of the story are it was just too much strain on him to have to play four roles in the same movie. Um, so what happened was – and the, the, the tr- – True details are lost to history, but um, so they actually were shooting. He actually there are there's no footage available apparently, but there are stills of him playing this role, and he actually fell out of the set. The set was elevated, and he actually fell out of the set and hurt his leg, or claimed to hurt his leg, 
um, and was hobbling around on crutches for a while. And so, oh, I can play the president sitting at the chair, and I can play Dr. Strangelove in a wheelchair, and I can play Mandrake lying on the floor, but I can't climb around in this cockpit anymore. So someone else needs to be the, be the, be the pilot. So they got slim, you know, to recast from Peter Sellers to Slim Pickens overnight um, is an amazing thing. But I can't, you can't imagine anyone else but Slim Pickens in that role now. So this, real quick, here's, here's again, the only female in, uh, you know, this is the same girl from the centerfold. And this is one of those, uh, is, it, is it really two roles or is it just supposed to be he's with the centerfold? It does, it does they don't say, they never say, uh-huh. but it, it literally is the same actress right. who was the centerfold, whether that was, you know, meant to be the, that she's a, you know, Playboy model also, but she's just claiming to be his secretary or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, also notice that Kubrick is being Kubrick because this is a very, this is such a Kubrick composition. And also this entire scene is one, one take. Yeah. We're, in, we're in one shot and, and we're, we're never going to cut. So... So you can even you can even say that not only is there there's only one female in the movie, but she only appears in two shots. Um, <laughs> don't worry, talk about misogynistic. <laughs> she really she really manages the secretary thing, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's, she's, she really does. And she's British, by the way. She's wow. actually British, uh, so she's doing an accent here. She's uh, she her name is her last name is uh, Reed, and and her father is uh, Sir Carol Reed. Who's mm. a, British director. But it was it was a very at, at this time and I've noticed it in other movies there's a very this is how american women talk type of dialect it almost is. in it's, movies, it's, you know? It's it's business. It's american business. I understand, but of course. Yeah. If was, you could hold, please. Was Peter Sellers nuts? Some say. Okay, cuz I I've, I've heard that, but then I've also heard that he was just this really interestingly cool guy. Well, this those is, are not, is a fine line. Yeah, those, those yeah, aren't mutually, mutually exclusive. exclusive. That's the problem. Oh. It depends on who he was hanging out with on a given day. <laughs> the, people, people tend to agree that he was a comedic genius, and, and sometimes comedic geniuses can, you know, can come from very dark places. Yeah. Um, the thing that I, I hear over and over, I never met him myself. Actually, it's a shocking thing. He died in 1980, so it's actually – he died very early. Uh, he died very young, comparatively speaking. <laughs> he, died, uh, he died when he was about three years older than me, so there you go. But um, – but he he died in 1980, so it's kind of amazing to me to to think that Peter Sellers has been dead for over 30 years now. But um, a lot of people, the, what the common thread that people seem to keep saying about Peter Sellers is that that you know he almost wasn't there was no actual Peter Sellers. He was only the characters he would play, which is very much like uh, Phil Hartman said. Phil Hartman yeah. kind of had the same thing, except or, that I knew Phil Hartman, and Phil Hartman was a human being. <laughs> you know, I met, I knew there was a Phil Hartman in real life, um, but uh, it could be just that when people would work with him. You know, he would be sort of absorbed by these characters that he was playing, and he would kind of stay in character a lot. And, and uh, I would say that more for Daryl Hammond than Phil Hartman. Yeah, there is no Daryl Hammond in real life. Only Zool. Oh, I was going to do that one. Oh, to, to, nice, that. Nice I, only, I only beat Dorkman to it because he was leaning. I back was leaning back. George C. Scott in this in this movie, it's like supposedly he was he was worried that he was overplaying. He was going to look like an idiot. But it's 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 it does work, you know. It's amazing how it works. <laughs> His face is just like he just does these huge burlesque expressions, and uh, it does. You know, somehow it works. It actually does work. Um, I don't recall. Sellers was nominated for an Oscar for this movie, and the movie was nominated for Best Picture. I don't know if Scott was nominated for this one, but he but he should have been. 
Now, was it a clear irony at the time, as it is looking back, uh, that you know he's basically turned this base into communist North Korea? He's cut everyone <laughs> yeah. off, and yeah. he's just feeding them propaganda, exactly. and he's taking away their radios and all that stuff. Yes. Everyone who's not you is the enemy. Exactly. Even if they look like us, they're not us anymore. <laughs> well, this is it, it's as crazy as it sounds. You know, it's it's exactly the kind of thing that you were sort of taught to believe. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, even you know, even. In, in civilized life or civil, civilized life. That's not the right. Civilian. 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 Thank you. Civilian yeah. life. Thank you. Um, you know, that you, you, the idea of like, yes, the Russians, anyone can be a Russian, a Russian spy, a Russian, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm sure then the military was even worse, you know, in terms of, in terms of oh, sure. trust no one. And, and, you know, the Rus- the Ruskies could have all kinds of, you know, crazy plans. Um, Failsafe actually goes into that even more because Failsafe is a, is exactly the same scenario uh, based on an, a different book. The book was called Failsafe, um, but uh, in that case, it's a it's a it's a mechanical failure that does the, exactly the same scenario that it sends a bomber wing on the attack run when there's no actual war and deals with the problem of how hard it is to get them back once they've gone. Um, because, for example, they've they've trained them like any message you receive, even if it's the president, even if it's your own wife, don't listen to it because it's the Ruskies. It's a trap. That's uh-huh. exactly what they're going to try and do. So this bomb wing is on its way in, and the Americans can't get them back because they can't send the right code, just like in this movie. Uh, it's kind of weird how these movies are similar. But well, that, um, was, that was an issue. There were lawsuits. Or, or? They, yeah. This, th- well, actually, this movie filed uh, – Kubrick filed a lawsuit against Failsafe and delayed its release so that they could be released first. Yes. Huh. So it felt like Failsafe was the ripoff of Strangelove. It's interesting that we see – I wonder – it's interesting that we see all of the procedure involved of this is how the bomber crew gets its orders and this is how they go about reading them and decoding them and what they actually mm-hmm. do. I wonder how much of that it was just nobody no nobody in civilian life would really know how it works beyond well there are bombers flying up there right. and hopefully nothing yeah. goes wrong. I would I would assume that's probably part of it cuz it's like I mean I mean on the one hand um you know nowadays you do stuff in like quick cuts or whatever but in in this time they did it, it I I don't know exactly what happened cuz I haven't I haven't done a lot of film school studying but I did I did watch a um a documentary on editing and it would be the kind of thing where it used to be if someone was going to a meeting in a building you show them pulling up in the car right, and getting right. out and walking in right. and walking through the lobby and getting in the elevator and getting out of the elevator and the whole thing so um until someone was like how about we just cut to the meeting <laughs> yeah and because <laughs> they know he didn't teleport like so yeah. they'll figure out the rest they, they know what a car is yeah. so they can fill in the I rest i think we referred to that as uh, as in some circles that's called shoe leather shoe scene. leather yeah shoe leather scenes um but um so, so to an extent, this is the shoe leather element of it, but right. uh, but at the but same it's, time, it's more vital to the story. Exactly, than, than that. The, the procedures are very important, so you right. understand how difficult it is to undo exactly. something yeah. once it's been done. And they, the auto destruct is also important too, because they 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 set up the auto destruct because they they whether or not we ever had auto destruct capability for our B fifty twos, but uh, the idea is that can they, they, the the U S can't remote blow up the plane because when they get hit by the missile, the auto destruct starts working. So mm. even that doesn't work for them anymore. The, I, I always thought it was whether it was calculated that way or, or just happened to be a feature of this. But I like the very efficient way that the names on the envelopes um, saves us an as you know of whose job is what. Mm. That you know the the bombardier has you know he opens an envelope called bombardier and the navigator so oh okay he's a bombardier he's a navigator just you know it's a little sort of helpful you know what are these guys jobs and what do they each contribute to the, to the job 
We just got one. Oh, we're going to get another one right now, I think. A what now? And that's it. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. go. Oh, there was a cigarette. A real change. On the, on the oh, real change. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Do we? Do they have? They, do they not put? We real don't changes? see those anymore. Because I mean, I'm sure on a digital they don't do that. Yeah. But, I, th- I think I think nowadays you can you can basically splice the entire movie together on a giant reel and just play it. And I'm sure for a, a DVD changes. or Blu-ray release they get edited out. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine for that print. Not this one. Not this. But one. Not this one. No. No, they're keeping it old school. Yeah. Well, no special edition here. Yeah. What was? What wasn't Kubrick? Kubrick when he was alive when DVDs were first being released didn't he 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 didn't want films to be letterboxed. Even I mean, this film is one three three, so it's not a big deal. But uh, that he even a, a, a no, widescreen movie, he didn't want to be letterboxed when in its video release. You huh. mean he didn't want the? Uh, he didn't want the black. He didn't, he, he didn't want his films to be released letterboxed because that that made the picture smaller. Uh-huh. Didn't like, you know, if he'd lived long enough for sixteen by nine televisions to become the norm, HCTV, he probably would have cha- okay, changed his yeah. name, changed his tune on that, um, and changed his name. Probably would have <laughs> done that too. I meant to say that. But uh, yeah, I remember that was a thing that it wasn't. I think now I think they're starting to release some of his movies in widescreen. But as I recall, it was a, it was a thing like Kubrick. Oh, that crazy mad bastard! You know, doesn't want his own movies to be released in I his know. own format. Cropped. Yeah, he was <laughs> one of those. You know, two thousand one on DVD is is in, in that aspect ratio. Okay, well, that's it's not cropped. I could be. I could be. You know, I could be wrong. But huh. check the but check the release date on what when that edition was released. Right. Is Sellers British? Yes, very. <clears throat> so he's he's playing the closest to himself as Mandrake is is the closest uh, of the three characters. We've seen we've seen a lot of movie and we're only twenty minutes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though the, the way mean, it hits like an ext- again an extraordinary amount of information that it just pops yeah. out. Yeah, and it's and it's three storylines that the characters never meet. You yeah. know, in real yeah. life, they, they never come together at the end in any in any sort of way. Yeah, pants labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> It's, that's right, but they do and affect each other. No, of course, <laughs> yes, the they do. Yeah, here. they do actually have contribute to each other's stories, and we kind of know when it's over. Um, I love, <laughs> and we we know what the we know why Stanley Kubrick made this movie. I love Would how you do a whole other commentary <laughs> just to take one more swing at Van's Labyrinth. I I, I do love. Um, I mean, I, I the the fact that he's British makes it uh, his his character like. This this wonderful awkwardness as he's he's like, all right, I'm trying yeah. to very politely uh, yeah. accuse you of treason here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know quite how to put I'm, it. I'm pretty sure you're blowing up the world on yeah. purpose. How yeah. do I politely get you to not? <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm. I also think you might be a crazy mofo. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this is a little. The door's locked. Oh, okay. Again, this said, is, we, watching we, this in the theater, just the, I realized I noticed for the first time that this entire scene is played from. Uh, the over the shoulder. We never yeah. cut yeah. To until we're about to, to just it. right about yeah. now. We're about to do it, but yeah. And there's also one take. That yeah. this whole scene was yet another one take. Um, it's just you know Kubrick's Kubrick's thing. Even then, he had it. He had it going on right there. Yeah, yeah. And there's the first cut. So, so you can see the crazy eyes and the ah. gun, and of course the and of course the of course the of course the pistol is pearl handled. What else would it be? <laughs> so. So sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, but I don't think so in this case. I don't think no. that's the case here. <laughs> I don't think he's, he's working that cigar pretty good. He's a pro. I think. <laughs> what are you trying to do there, Ripper? What are you, what are you showing us? 
Sellers being known, you know, mostly I, I associate Sellers with comedy. I, I associate him with Inspector Clouseau was really when yeah. I first discovered him. Um, but he'd done a lot of comedies before then. So to see him play a, a straight role like this that's really straight and really well played, you know, and two two straight roles because the president is totally straight as well. Um, and right, there's definitely, a, there's definitely a characterization there, but it's still like in, in this scene in particular where he's just reacting to uh, like that shot right there. Yeah. Where he's just reacting to what Ripper is saying and just the the tragedy of it. Yeah, and completely authentic. I mean, yeah, he really was, he was quite good. Apparently, it uh, supposedly it was very devastating to him to, that he was nominated for this and didn't win the Oscar. Um, and I think he was nominated again for being there, which a lot of people say was his, his greatest performance. Well, 90% of success is showing up. So. Yeah, exactly. So uh, being there is the was the big sort of, okay, Peter Sellers is finally getting taken seriously um, as an actor, I think he was nominated for that. And being there is, have you seen being there? Have you guys seen that movie? No, no it's, it's another movie. It's another very satirical movie. Uh, do you know anything about being there at all? Nothing at all. Uh, it's, well, you should check it out. It's a, it's a sort of a, it's a Reagan era movie. Um, but it would, would have applied to other eras that we've lived through as well. Um, but being there, he plays a guy who basically has no personality whatsoever. Um, and everyone he encounters imprints, you know, the very the extremely vague, meaningless things he says, um, he's, he's like a Forrest Gump character. Um, everyone imprints on him and, and thinks he's a genius, and he's dropping these nuggets everyone of wisdom. Everyone reads into the things he exactly. Says. So sure. he rises. He rises to becomes an advisor to the president. <laughs> um, over the course of events, it's a really it's an amazing it's an amazing performance in his part. It's one of his last ones too. It's one of his very last movies. Um, he died not long after he did it. Another great scene. I'm not sure what I have to say about this movie other than I love this part and I love that part. Yeah, this. exactly. Well, but this is one of those moments where well, this where uh, George C. Scott is trying to explain to the president what has happened. Yeah, and it's it's done. It's it's all done with just you know three or four camera angles that just you know long held takes and uh, and this amazing set. Now, of course, this is the Ken Adam who designed a lot of the the classic. James Bond sets, you know, when you think of those, the big, you know, Blofeld's lair in any classic Bond film was almost certainly designed by, by Ken Adam. So this war room, the war room, this, this, this iconic set, you know, this is like everyone's image to this day. This is what we, we think there's a build, there's a room like this. We think we have a room like this. Reagan supposedly, when he took office, wanted to go to this room and was disappointed (laughs) to find out we didn't really have one of these. Um, that this, this is this idea that Ken Adam had, you know, about what the war room looks like that to this day is a visual that we associate with somewhere we have a room like this, you mm-hmm. know, and we don't. <laughs> there isn't a room like this that we know of. Yeah, maybe there design. is now. In function, in function, there is. Yeah, but in, obviously, in design, yeah. there is not. Yeah, every, yeah. every movie war room and not just, you know, the, the U.S. war, but any, you know, the, the supervillain's lair or whatever, stuff yeah. like that is definitely very heavily based off of this well in Watchmen there's design. a clear homage well yeah yeah, yeah definitely to this one Watchmen has and, and War Games has kind of like the scaled down yeah. <laughs> smaller idea of it you know and surely there, there are rooms with the giant screens especially nowadays but uh, but this you know colossal round table um, first of all it's ridiculously impractical it makes no sense <laughs> in a real world you know but um, when you see the the really wide shots of this uh, thing, just you know, look how this is a, such a monstrously huge set. This uh-huh. is colossally huge. It fills a soundstage. The benefits of shooting in England. Yeah, apparently, I was uh, just at this film festival with a Q and A with Chris Nolan, and he was talking about how they have the soundstage. It's basically just some giant old hangar that they use as their sound set, and apparently, the soundstages from like Dark Knight and Inception are still standing. The sets for are the actual oh. sets. 
because they've bought this thing and nobody else really has any interest in using it. So yeah. the sets are just still there. And they just use them. Yeah, there are stages that are so big that they don't, they're not in demand. Yeah. Um, it, it might be. I think it was at Shepperton. There was a stage they built for Superman, for the Chris Reeve Superman, that was called the Superman stage for quite some time. It may have changed its name since then. But it was the biggest soundstage of its time. Well, there it was, was built specifically for Metropolis, and, for and Superman. There was a similar thing where the, like, some, some movie went to, to shoot in there, like, Ten years after Alien and the Alien spacecraft and all the eggs and stuff and were still just stuff sitting was, there. Well, that was Alien, yeah. Alien, Alien Aliens. Where okay. they, they were still in storage at okay. that same studio, yeah. They got pulled out some of the old parts. <laughs> Could you imagine walking onto the Alien set yeah. that's been abandoned yeah, for like, years? Oh, yeah. my God. That's crazy. We have to shoot on this. We totally have to shoot on this. Um well, actually, I've been watching a, a lot of... I don't think you could get me to go on onto that set. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be scary. Well, it also smell like, like cow guts, too. It'd be disgusting. But um, I've been watching a lot of Asylum movies, low-budget movies. It's like oh, every, every movie they make was shot on the set we shot Ark on. Every <laughs> single movie they make, they use that set, too. So it's so funny to see that set tried, over and over again. I tried watching one of their movies. They really to are. enjoy it, ironically, but they're not even trying. Yeah, it's, I, can't, I can't make myself watch those. I watched their uh, Cloverfield Rip Monster. And that oh, my was, God. I didn't even know was, they did that one. What, what was that called? It was called Monster. Okay. And good. it was just the dullest thing I have ever seen. Wow. I was like, this isn't even, like, fun bad. So it was, like, just... it was like a home movie and yuppies running around going, ah. Yeah, and they weren't even really running around. They would, they would, <laughs> it, was, it, was more like, it was more like Blair Witch Project, which I did kind of like, but they were just like, they, they'd, you know, they'd, they'd run from a noise and then they'd spend 20 minutes arguing about how, like, well, you never, you know, did the laundry or whatever. It's like they're just wasting time until they can get to the next part of it because they only have about five minutes of actual content and uh, three bad CG shots uh, <laughs> to be making a movie with. <laughs> well, I think someone should pitch Asylum. They, it's time to rip off Dr. Strangelove. It's, it's just guys sitting around talking. You can totally do that. And the bomber shots, I mean, they're not even that good. Yeah, we could totally we could, we could, <laughs> they could actually do better bomber shots. <laughs> they actually could do better ones. It's a very it's, uh, go ahead. It it's just it's disturbing as hell because I mean really I the the sad truth of it is that you have the, you have these legions and legions of people who this is their job. This is what they're trained to do. And there's some element of of human psychology that makes a person legitimately want to do their job. <laughs> right. But if your job yeah. is to press that button you don't we don't want you to do that job ever ever <laughs> yeah, ever it's ever tough. it's tough and you have you know i'm sh- the generals and whoever except for for ripper have you know have this understanding that no i don't i of course i hope i never have to do my job but somewhere you know exists in the back of that mind man i hope i get to push that fucking button someday <laughs> that'd, be actually, that'd be crazy I awesome push that fucking button that'd be crazy well, because awesome there's, there's also an element of human psychology where it's like that's a really nice sandcastle i'd like to go kick it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> would it be awesome if it all burned out like the little monkey brain just goes yeah. burn it burn it all down yeah. <laughs> burn it like, like Michael Caine's line in The Dark Knight. Some men just yeah, want to watch yeah. the world. Yeah, exactly. I think seek, at some level, everyone does. But there's, yeah, there's yeah. the other part of it it's that's all, like, no, that would not be as cool it's all about how we, as it seems. It's all about how we control that impulse. <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. the, that's all that matters. Not that we don't all have it. It's how we control it that matters. So that's, and that's true of any terrible basic instinct that we have. You know? so. And those few special people in our society who have actually the ability and the responsibility uh, to burn the world down if they're required to. Mm-hmm. And it's like how they deal with that. 
taking a call from his mentor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, how did she even get? They literally <laughs> used. Yeah. How did she get that number? This, now I don't know if the, it started for this, but he literally said, "I told you never to yeah. call me here." It's like I wonder if that was. You know, does it, did that did that cliche start with this movie, or was it a cliche then? Although if she's supposed to be his secretary, then that would yeah. Be so nice. yeah, she would, she would have the number, but uh, she's not calling for business apparently. Yeah. Don't forget to say your prayers. Yeah, because we might all That's die. That's a scary line, almost yeah, the way he yeah. says it. If I was her, I'd be going, wait, what? <laughs> and, and his look, like, nobody caught me, right? Yeah. Like, that, so nobody perfect. saw that, right? Everyone, we're cool, right? I'm, I'm cool. I'm just going to pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. So this is the... the General Face Man. General Face Man. <laughs> and there's another character named Stains. <laughs> it's like, it just goes on and on and on. They just, uh, you know... Do you get it? Do you get what Kubrick is doing here? Now, the the original novel this is based on, called Red Alert, was not a black comedy. It was not a satire. Uh, it was a very serious novel uh, based on this premise. And and as they were, and it was going to be a serious movie. But as they were developing it, they they're they, like, we cannot they, pull they this kept, off. They, 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 the story <laughs> goes that they, you know, late night they would just get silly and go, "Hey, what if they did the?" And 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 Kubrick, it started to like Kubrick kept going. What if we did do that? What if we, what if this is a comedy? What if we did this as a black comedy? And a lot of people are like, "Wait, what? No, 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 no! That no, that's no, that's totally the wrong way to do this." Um, but in the end, he had his way. No, yeah. it's perfect. So it's it's interesting because, in a sense, it's we were talking in another commentary about airplane, about how airplane, as wacky and crazy and silly um, a movie as that is, it's based on a real serious. Right. Story, that and that's why story it, played straight exactly. So and so, this movie really is, even though it's not, you, you could almost say it was based on Failsafe because um, it's exactly the same scenario. So it's almost like they made the comedy version of, of Failsafe, but it's the same scenario as in Failsafe. Kind of reminds me of Starship Troopers, actually. How so? Serious book, satire. Serious book, movie. satire, hysterical movie. True, true enough. And this is, and this is, uh, you know, such. Easily accessible military thinking to go, okay, well, this is happening. What are our right. options now? We're going to deal with – we'll deal with it in terms of that we as the military can understand, yeah. Yeah, which like, is fight back. Yeah, he's like, well, we're, we're doing this, so the best way to do this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is an opportunity we're having yeah. here. <laughs> this is and just Only modest and acceptable civilian casualties. Yeah. Tops. Literally, like the the eye twitch, and he's so proud. He's yeah. just absolutely so proud. <laughs> I fixed it. Yeah, there, I solved it. <laughs> Aren't you glad that we did that study? So I'm ready with the right answer now. Now his his his, his worst line of all comes up where he's <laughs> where he says, "I'm not saying we're not going to get our hair <laughs> mussed." <laughs> that's his that's his assumption. But that's you know this that's what this movie is about. Is like these guys are presumably in a you know wherever the war room is. I can think they say in the movie it's below the Pentagon. Um, so, they, they showed a well, shot they, of the Pentagon, yeah, and, and the I think the narrator so. says that it's under the Pentagon. But the uh, the uh, you know the idea that that's you know the, whatever happens, they're going to be fine. There's that you know essence to it. Like you know, yeah, we're, the fact that we're talking about twenty million and you know, twenty million people killed, we'll never see those people. We won't be one of them. We won't be among them. Um, and so we we can look at all this very strategically. Is. I do say no more than 10, yeah, 20 10, million. 10 to 20 million tops. You know, it's like, it's like a rounding error. 10 million people is Maybe like a rounding mill. Give or take. Yeah, you know, it's like no more than 10 or 20 million people. Like there's no quantifiable difference. There's an extra 10 million people involved in that number. But it's like it's, it's – yeah, it's negligible. But on the other hand, he did say it's like it's either 10 or 20 or 150. 150 or yeah. So – And it's like – and again, you have to go, that's – 
that's a valid point. Yeah. You have to think about it. You have to acknowledge. Those 10 or 20 are going to die anyway, yeah. but we can save the others. But we can save 100 million yeah. others. I mean, it's, and there is, you know, and it's not like decisions like that haven't been made in yeah. human history. That, that, you know, that in war, that, uh, you know, that decision gets made all oh, the time. Is this, I thought this was later in the movie. Is Which? this where, uh, where the president says, "I've brought the, I've called the Russian ambassador down here," and yeah, yeah. Dorsey Scott goes, "I'll see everything." Yeah, there it is. <laughs> He'll see the big board. He'll see the big board. Just this paranoia. <laughs> He'll see the big board of his country that he knows what it looks like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Stains and <laughs> premier kiss off and premier kiss off. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, hey, what are you doing in this movie, Kubrick? It's Kubrick's one comedy. I mean, <laughs> he didn't make any other quote unquote comedies, did he? No, nothing that were as clearly as nothing, no movies that were comedies. Obviously, there were comedic yeah. moments in other movies. But now here's the, here's a here's a little. Uh, first of all, uh, this is not unlike what literally would happen. I mean, you know, they they actually did have these little. Okay, if you if you're a, if you have to eject over enemy territory, you know, here's gold and chocolate bars and little yeah. little. You know, do you trade with the locals and you know, blah blah blah. Um, Holy Bible and <laughs> yeah, Russian and Russian phrasebook. Phrase yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> But there's a if you look real close, there's a scene coming up. For those of you who watch the movie, which no one does, but um, this movie <laughs> ended up coming out just after the Kennedy assassination. So um, here it is. And uh, so when he says, I felt like the great punchline of this scene, which I even thought was funny when I was ten years old, um, he says, "I uh, feel like I'd have a good weekend in Vegas." He's actually saying Dallas in the in the shooting. He actually said, "I felt like I'd have a good weekend in Dallas," but Dallas, you know, meant president got assassinated. So they, they, they had him come in and redub it. This is Vegas and stuff. Yeah, because it's awkward to be like, you could have a pretty good time with a bunch of drugs and guns in Dallas. In Dallas. <laughs> <For ex> <laughs> so, what are you saying? Just as a random example <laughs> yeah. of no place in particular. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. It makes perfect sense that that character would say Dallas because, you know, yeah, he's, he's from Texas. You know, he's like, yeah, I'd like to take this stuff home with me. It'd be fantastic. I bet that's a lot like what uh, the, uh, the, you know, craft services table look like on this movie. Just a line of cakes and <laughs> well, that's what it looks I'm, like now. I'm, I'm sure on craft service in, in England is oh, is either really great or really awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the cakes are a setup for a scene that was shot, but you don't see in the movie. Ah, um, which is the famous pie fight. The British need to learn about salt. They need to learn <laughs> about salt in their cooking. They yeah. really do. The the uh, the the movie ended with in the war room um, a colossal pie fight. Which they shot, and there's no – I've never seen any footage of it. I don't know if it exists, but there's stills of it where literally the end of the movie was these guys erupt in a giant pie fight. And so all these cakes and pies are set up for that. Um, and they shot it, and uh, and they they looked at it, you know, and they assembled the movie. They were like, no, this – this is too much. This does not work. You know, it was supposed to be, I mean, that was the ultimate sort of, you know, visual image was like, it's all a colossal pie fight. It's all a big slapstick. You know, nuclear war is like a big pie fight. But it just, on film, it just did not work. And so they, they just cut it out and they just, they, it doesn't exist anymore. It was a huge scene where they just destroyed the, they destroyed the set. They just had this massive pie fight. Every one of these guys was covered in, in you know, meringue. But the, you'll never see that scene. Uh, here comes one of my, <laughs> favorite scenes one of the great comedic scenes of all time well yeah. I guess we're gonna well we missed the line you can't fight in you here you can't fight in the war room which is the, uh, the line that everyone remembers <laughs> now this the this combat stuff it's it's interesting because it's one of the things it's one of the very documentary well it's they shot it as a documentary they yeah. actually got they actually got combat camera stock um, they actually located authentic uh, camera stock 
and Kubrick and the camera operator uh, put on uniforms so that they, even if they accidentally got each other on camera, they would be okay. And they literally staged this. They didn't shoot it conventionally. None of this was shot, this entire battle scene, none of it was shot like a regular movie. They shot it only documentary style. And Kubrick and the other camera operator just ran around with the, with the guys as they were staging all these uh, battle scenes and, uh, and shot it like it was the, you know, the beach at Normandy. And uh, supposedly freaked freaked out the freaked out the studio. <laughs> They're like, wait, you're not what? You're just you're not going to shoot it for real. You're only going to shoot it like a documentary. And the only thing, and it's great. It's amazing what he got. It's very. It's actually you can kind of see the seeds of Full Metal Jacket in it. Uh, yeah. actually, quite. But the only problem with it is it doesn't intercut with Ripper in his office. That's the only flaw that I find in the way it, it works. It is, is jarring is that, in the sense that, that the yeah. Ripper is very much obviously a stage studio set. That you know, it's shot on a totally different stock, so it doesn't intercut with with this great uh, verite combat footage they have. The, the contrast in the blacks is yeah, it's so a, much better, so much. And the grain is totally different. It just it yeah. doesn't it doesn't work as the same sequence, which is unfortunate because it's it's great otherwise. There was another another real change burn there. So look at this this, this triangular ceiling this vaulted ceiling on this thing and look how damn big this set is this guy i think was a, a bullfrog before he became an actor <laughs> pretty sure or or he, man, he might have been a bass <laughs> here it is here's one of my favorite scenes in cinema of all time yeah and the what what i look at when i watch this after after i watch the scene for sellers about 95 times now i watch it for the russian ambassador because yes. because sellers was a notorious improviser and and you know he would he would just every take he would just go somewhere else with this conversation and everyone everyone in the shot with him mostly is just trying not to laugh um so this guy here when you see him there's always he's always right next to the president as as uh, sellers is doing his thing um and and i just i just think about that guy i see he has to hold yeah. that pose forever and make sure that no matter where sellers goes he's going to stay in continuity by trying not to be <laughs> in a different position or to laugh or anything else so he has to sit there <laughs> while sellers does the craziest unexpected improv- improvisations and not and not lose it so once again the 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 sexual uh, subtones is the uh, of, of the movie is you know he, yeah. he's talking to Dimitri like like he's you know like yeah. oh of course I don't always just call you when there's a problem no I miss you I love you love you too you know it's got that whole weird tone to it but then but then you know there's also a a, a an, an undertone of um, serious commentary here in the sense that it's like this is you know when when uh, Generally, uh, uh, when we tend to be at war with a country, the the relations still behave very cordially when they speak to each right. other. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, we can speak civilly and stuff like that, and we'll send our Mr. Our, President, Mr. Premier, yeah, we'll yeah. send our children to fight and die because we're disagreeing, but we can disagree very cordially yes, be- and nonviolently because yeah. we're civilized. Yeah, so. <laughs> he went funny in the, in the head. So again, this is Sellers, and you kind of get—I you know, just go, oh my gosh, that's that same guy who's <laughs> in the other movie, in the other scene, and we haven't even seen Strange Love yet. Yeah, so Strange Love hasn't even appeared yet. So yeah, you're watching I, this movie, going, so why is it called Doctor Strange? Yeah, no, yeah. I totally did when I watched it. I'm like, that is a weird <laughs> name. I don't understand yeah. that. And then he shows up. It's like, oh, that's why the movie is named after yeah. him. 
or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. <laughs> Which is so weird. Like, where did that come from? Yeah. First? Now, the, when they tur- decided to turn it into a comedy, um, that's when they brought in Terry Southern to do the rewrite. And Terry Southern was known for doing, like, wacky comedies and, and bizarre kind of avant-garde things. And, and um, supposedly uh, um, Kubrick was the one who came up with the, the subtitle for the movie. The, the, you know, Dr. Strangelove was like, okay, we're going to add this character named Dr. Strangelove. But the uh, How I Learned to Stop Wearing Love the Bomb was supposedly was Kubrick's edition. Whatever the hell he meant by that. <laughs> Whatever well, was that. that a thing in the 50s? I mean, I don't know if that was... It does, it does, have, it does have a, you know, I am, I am Curious Yellow, you know, or whatever. It's like, like a... Um, one of those videos you might watch in school in the afternoon, you yes. know, like sodium chloride or, or how or, I learned to or, stop worrying or, or, or why Johnny salts. has no feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It does have a, I don't know. It's specific. I can't place it. Like what that actually is kind of a reference to or, or what it, where it comes from, but it just, it's, it's, there's no question. That it's a striking title, but, but we like to, we like to call it Dr. Strange love for short. Cause that's a little easier. <laughs> like Mr. Uh, Kiss Off is just holding, <laughs> just holding that pose. Uh, no, the president is Kiss Off. The I oh, that's right. The, the amb- what is the ambassador's uh, name? I forget. I don't. Yeah, remember. I can't remember. Koxky. Koxky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dixky Koxy. <laughs> Penetrates. Th- it's it's just the this whole idea of Omsk. Omsk. No, that's the city. That's the city. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I think, as long as we don't think too hard about, it, we think of these institutions as you know, above human. Like the, whoever is running these <laughs> yeah. things are better. Surely than they're we better are. than us. No, yeah. they're really no. Not. They're just as absolutely human, and the telephones they use are exactly the same as the telephones that we use. Yeah, it's and it's just that idea. And they might, they might literally, you know, when the crisis comes, they might be drunk. They yeah. might, they might be going through a divorce and hating humanity. <laughs> they might, but yeah, they might. Go a little funny in the head. Ribbit. <laughs> I like how he, you know, he had the big grin on his face. He's like, "Yes, hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to the prime for the prime Just a prim. just a casual conversation about annihilation. Yes, I'm at the war room. We've had these before. It's, I know it's, it's, it's great. very nice. It's much better than ours. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. They have a nice map here. It's exactly <laughs> what we thought it was like. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know there's a big island just like 20 miles north of us in the ocean? Did you? I had no idea. We, we, we should they have their great out. map. <laughs> yeah. Apparently they have a base there. Oh, he's got he, – he, that guy has a good voice for Doomsday Machine, yeah, though. The Doomsday yeah. device. The Doomsday Machine. <laughs> yeah, Scott's like, yeah, Rusky. Rusky trick. With your mutually assured destruction. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And that, too, was whether or not anyone ever had – well, obviously, we didn't ever – well, maybe there is one. Maybe there is one on an island somewhere that we're just – well, we still can't have a nuclear holocaust because that sucker will go off. But uh, it's kind of like the Skynet of the 60s. But, um, you know, again, this, these are things that people would talk about. People would discuss that. You know, maybe the Russians are doing something like that. Maybe they are – you know, maybe they're – there was discussion of you know are they jacketing their bombs with cobalt because if they surround their their bombs with cobalt then they you know then the half life of the radiation will go up astronomically and you know you won't you know there won't be doesn't matter how long you stay in the bomb shelter you still can't come out 
you know, in ever. your lifetime. Yeah, you yeah. can never come out because there'll be so much radioactivity. And this is again, this is this is common discussion. You know, it's like you're at the cocktail party, going, "Is this a spinach dip?" So I hear that the uh, the Russians are actually putting cobalt jacketing on their bombs, and that way, when they drop the bomb, then uh, we'll never actually be able to come out. Even if you get to a shelter, it's it's useless because there's no way you could have enough uh, supplies in your shelter to survive. Um, seriously, is there cream cheese in this? Um, you know, that's... There's, a, there's a line that pops up in Star <laughs> Trek all the time where the the characters always marvel at how humanity managed to make it out of the 20th century. And and now that we're safely out of it, I, I I'm here. I really, truly wonder. I'm here to tell you, I was there. That 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 uh, that that twenty years or so was nuts. The the post war, you know, the post war to uh, you know fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, although there, you know, there's a, there's a school of thought that actually we're not as well off now. We're we're not. We're in actually worse trouble now. Um, we just don't realize it because the problem is when the Soviet Union fell, all those warheads. Oh, yeah. we don't know where a lot of those went. Yeah, when the when the uh, Soviet Union fractured and they didn't have this, you know, uber control and this totalitarian regime. Now it's like, yeah, so we went to the silo to try and decommission those warheads and uh, they don't seem to be there anymore. Those, those silos in the middle of Tajikistan. Exactly. That, they, you know, that like, nobody goes to anymore. You know, so there's literally, a, there's literally like a snow crash guy out there with a, you know, with a, with a mule with a nuclear warhead strapped onto it going, don't mess with me. I'd just like to point out, uh, people who have a problem with fluoridation of water, it is the crazy person who has a problem with exactly. that in this movie but again, for and, crazy reasons. Is, is, and, is but people again, having it, a problem with that still a thing? Occasionally. Not really? as big as before. But it was but it was big then. It, it's was still a, it is still a thing. Don't let them fluoridate your water. Was it's the, still as big a thing as chemtrails, which we probably yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the, so. it's, it's funny. How it, I guess I, guess I kind of take comfort in that, that you know, yes, it took like 40 years but finally, people don't go except for the people who were like hardcore crazy, who were looking for anything to be crazy about. But you know, people don't get nuts about fluoridation. Finally, you know, because they kind of go, "Yes, forty years later, guess what? It pre- it prevents tooth decay, just like yeah. it was intended." No, to no, and, and now they've they've moved on to vaccination. Exactly. Now it's back. Yeah. Now we, there's like there, it's now now instead of tooth decay, we're killing children. I that's, totally that's forgot. Thank you, crazy people. I, you know, when I again when I was young, you know, fluoridation was like, oh, we're fluoridation. We're not real sure about that. That sounds all sciencey and shit. And you know, and the idea that you can't, if someone is dumb enough to think that fluoride, which is a <laughs> chemical element somehow makes you a communist or will change your brain or something like that well then they're too dumb to listen to the answer about why that doesn't work so it's just the same reason as like if someone goes vaccination causes autism i just made that up in my head and you can't convince me otherwise because it's not based on any information um i actually take a little i actually take a little heart in the fact that it took 40 years but finally the fluoridation thing went away you know, it's like finally. So maybe there is a but chance. But it's been replaced by even dumber shit. Well, That's like, the well exactly. It was like, you know, like 40 years from now, the chemtrail people were like, remember, that we were all wrapped up in chemtrails and birth certificates and vaccinations. And of course, now we know that it's actually the alien signals from space that we have to worry about. <laughs> well, it was, was it? Senator, one, some uh, Grassley or some, some Republican senator was just like, uh, Let's dump some some basic chemical. Let's dump that into the Gulf with the with the oil spill, and, and that <laughs> that'll help disperse it. And it was, it was just on the Daily Show, and John really? Stewart is playing the clip. And so the the guy, the well, reporter was, from well, CNN, it was, was, it was beer. Uh, oh, beer! The, it was yeah, yeast. It was, yeast. It was, it was that's pouring what it was. Beer chemicals. Pour yeast into chemicals. it. And and the CNN guy is like, yeah, we asked a scientist, and that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes to John Stewart, and John Stewart like, you had to ask a scientist <laughs> <laughs> just to be sure, because anything be sure. might be true. <laughs> You never know with those scientists because they they tell you the craziest things. And that's a U.S. senator, people. Yeah, an elected representative of the ignorant people that he 
serves. That I, I missed it. <laughs> literally yeast. Yeast is literally, supposed to literally eat, eat the oil. Is it's that a, the idea? It's supposed to. It's supposed to react with the oil and turn it into methane and get it out of the water. Which I'm not sure how much that would help. It's like turning gonna, turning that giant thing into methane into a greenhouse gas. Turn, yeah. turn the Gulf of Mexico into a giant loaf of bread. Yeah. Okay. By the way, just a fun fact that already passed by, but George C. Scott's thing, that was an accidental trip, and he just – he wasn't supposed to trip. And he, just, <laughs> he just played it off and kept on going. It was like, awesome, print that, where he flipped over and kept on going. And again, I don't know if I can – I don't know if there's any current modern-day analog to this. I, I guess there kind of is in the sense of – to what? To this idea of cold warness? Or no, no, this machine, this specific or? idea of the doomsday uh, device. Like, you know, uh, who would, you know, what what kind of twisted, what kind of sick twisted mind would come up with something like that? And there's there's Doctor Strange. There he is. Um, but um, you could see him in the background. Prior to he was, that. yeah, but he, he was never mentioned or or pointed out. Um, but this idea that uh, you know that someone might actually again, it you just since Russians were so. Such an unknown. I mean, the Russians were by the you know, bland corporation. Yes, yeah. The Russians were, you know, the Russians were like the way the way Muslims are to to uneducated people in America right now. It's like, yeah, they're completely alien from us, and they all hate us, and they are yeah. all exactly the and same. They're all exactly the but, same. But all the billion is, of them. The are interesting exactly the thing same. is, the interesting thing is now the paranoia has changed a little bit because before it's like they could look just like you, and yeah. and now it's like they're the ones who don't look like you. Yeah, exactly. You can always tell which ones they yeah. are. They're they're the ones with. Do they have brown skin? Yeah. They're the guys at the Seven Eleven with uh, turbans. Actually, those are Sikhs, and they're from India. Yeah. But thanks for playing. So, yeah, not even all Muslims wear turbans. <laughs> this is not you know, Baron Munchausen we're living in. So this is a, here's a performance. I like the hair. The hair on Doctor Strange's life is what gets me. It's like it's, it's, that's the crazy right there. Yeah, more than anything, it's like, it's, it's like he's in a strong wind at all times. He's standing tall against the wind there. And the absurdity that we, in order to fight these awful, awful Russians that are only out to kill us, we'll get a Nazi. Yeah. And that, that'll help us. Which we absolutely did. This, right. that, yeah. there's, nothing, yeah. there's nothing made up and about again, that. And that, that seems like, you present that idea here and go, that's ridiculous that we would grab a Nazi to fight this even more ridiculous idea of an enemy. Yeah. But no, that's real. The Nazis oh, almost got him the first time, so you know. Yeah. It's like it's like we used we used the Russians to help us fight the Nazis, but now the Russians are a problem. So let's talk to the Nazis cuz that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had the, you know. Well, the isn't it isn't It's the, like mongooses and snakes. We just switch <laughs> off whichever one we have a problem with. Isn't it the right stuff where they say uh, the Russians can't get into space because our Germans are better than their Germans? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and that's so. and that's literally true. I mean, when we, you know, when we met in Berlin, we literally like, okay, so where are the guys who are building those rockets? And then the Russians. No, that, was, that was absolutely a thing with Werner von Braun and, and yeah, the rest we got Werner von Braun, but yeah. they, the Russians got some too. The Russians yeah, yeah, said, yeah. "We'll take some of those guys as well." But part of the race across Europe in the in the final months of the to war get to the was goodies. like, "Let's we got to get as many of those scientists as we can before the Russians do." We want to get to the pot of gold, and mm-hmm. a lot of those German scientists also knew it was up, and so they managed to make it to the Western Front uh, yeah. before the Eastern Front. Because you'd rather you'd rather surrender you'd rather surrender to the Americans than to the Russians. Exactly. So yeah, Werner von Braun. Um, von, von Braun know. and Heisenberg <laughs> and, and uh, many of the others. Yeah. Now this and that's uh, this is uh, people think that this is kind of a Kissinger reference, but it's more of a von Braun, more of a you know kind of a reference that Doctor Strange loved. Kissinger, Kissinger wasn't a, a national figure yet at this point. I do love that little bit there. He's like, what? "Oh, this is." You like that? Oh, that, that's yeah. one of my favorite shots in, in all of cinema. <laughs> Pieces are professional. And, and set up well because you see that sign all over the place earlier yeah. in the show, but uh-huh. that's the shot where that's the payoff yeah. of the punchline. 
and, it, and that that dichotomy is very much the psychology of the military. Yeah. It's you know, the peacekeeper missile. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the what now? I'm not sure if it's a dichotomy or cognitive dissonance yeah. that yeah. we're yeah. dealing exactly. with here. Um, but yeah, I do love that that scene where he's explaining deterrence and all of that, and it's like that makes complete sense. And then he gets to the same place you do at about the same time. Mm-hmm. He's like, and there's no point to it. Yeah, unless- it's worthless as a deterrent unless you tell people. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> It's like, yeah, we're, we're going to announce it on Monday. We were going to do that, but <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I also like it. We, we, were, um, we were talking in the scene where he pulled out this gun uh, from his, his, oh, his golf, golf bag, bag, which of course is yeah. funny. But I like, I like the, the funny idea that he's gone golfing with that in his bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just, <laughs> that he just has that. Does he carry it with just him when in he case. Golf, Or is it just where he hides the gun? <laughs> Years ago, I worked with a guy where um, – I uh, I don't know how it came into my head, but uh, I used to I used to bum cigarettes off him all the time, and and my 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 secret code word for wanting to bum a cigarette off him when I go I would say feed me mandrake, that was my, <laughs> that was my line, and he would always give me this look, but he would yeah that he then I could bum the cigarette off of him, and it was like it just went on for like a month until he finally said what does that mean? He didn't realize he didn't know where you know where that was coming from. I was like oh was, there's this movie called Doctor Strangelove, with the thing with a gun and feeding it's it, it's. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'll stop saying it if you want. But <laughs> it, it, you it's not, it doesn't mean I want to have sex with you or anything. It just, it just, I'm here for the cigarettes. And that's it. Fluoridate sugar and soup and milk. Ch- children's ice cream. Children's ice cream. <laughs> the good lord is a good line too, because it's like that means a couple things yeah. in this context. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sellers is going, oh, this is just worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. It's so great though that you know, Sellers is like he's the only guy in the whole movie who has his shit together. First of all, yeah, you know, which is yeah. interesting that he's this one character who um, you know that that and maybe and maybe the bomb crew. I mean, you know, if in a different movie the bomb crew would be the heroes and we would go, yeah, right on. You know yeah. that they they get despite all odds they got to the they delivered their they did their mission. Of course, that's not what we want to happen in this movie. But uh, I just love the subtle way where Sellers is continuously trying to like. He's, fix he's, this and he's do something. He's knocking on the door, just softly yeah. and politely, but he's like, he's still trying. It's like you just you just know that it's. I just had this mental picture that uh, you know Mandrake. Uh, oh, another great line. Yeah, I first became aware of it yeah. during the physical. Oh act God! Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Sellers is like, oh no, oh this is so much worse. Well, I may have to really take one for England for this one to get to get this information I'm trying to get. Luckily, I was able to interpret these feelings correctly. <laughs> yeah. I know this because yeah. I say so. That's right. Because it's my interpretation and it's correct, so it's a good thing. It's really a great picture People of mental illness. People still talk this way. People yes. still do this. In fact, this guy reminds me a lot of Rush Limbaugh, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's he has it's the big cigar. Cognitive dissonance yeah. is the right term for it. That's exactly what this is a beautiful picture of and that's exactly what's going on. In far, far too many people's heads that have a say in how this world is run. Yeah. I don't know if this. Sometimes it's cognitive dissonance, and sometimes I think it's it's just cognitive ignorance. Where you know, sometimes people like use words that they really just don't even know what the words mean. I, right. Back Glenn Beck just this week said that anarchists want total government. <laughs> that was literally his rant. That anarchists are trying to create a totalitarian state. <laughs> and it was like, see, you don't even you don't even know what the words mean yeah. that you're using. You don't even know what you're saying. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> so so here's it. Now here's this this is a scene I always thought was really interesting and it really was it's a fun moment for Mandrake because um, the torture discussion. 
where uh, it, he has and one of the great oh, funny yeah. lines and one of the great funny lines coming up about how he was captured. He was a prisoner of the Japanese and he was tortured. And uh, I don't want to. I don't want to be a, a line. That was an awesome line. So just wait for it. It's about to come up. His line. His punch, punch line about the Japanese. But the idea that you know the Mandrake. This is again sixty four. You know, World War Two was only you know twenty years earlier. Would that be right? Yeah, forty six. Less than twenty years earlier, and you know, Mandrake conceivably could have been a prisoner of the Japanese. Or is he lying? I always like to think, you know, what if, what if Mandrake's totally lying? He's trying to. Oh, like, about his, his torture? Yeah, that he's trying to. Except he seems to be playing it. He seems, yeah, he seems it's, very sincere. And it's a throwaway line that kind of suggests that he's uh, that he he really means it. You know, that he actually still harbors a lot of resentment for the Japanese. So. I like that he looks at his watch. He's like, well, yeah. we can talk about this yeah. a little later. Yeah, moving I, on. We, you call the planes back, and then I'll tell you all about what yeah. they did to my testicles. Oh, we can talk all about, yeah. about it. <laughs> we can talk Just about call that. the planes back, and then we can discuss bodily fluids till the cows come home. <laughs> and it suddenly turns into Ali Guinness in uh, Bridge on the River Kwai for, for, ten, for ten seconds here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old puff puff. The old puff puff, Jack. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the fact that he's his, his – uh, He's preoccupied with something else. Like his attention is directed. Yeah, he keeps looking around like, like, oh, God. If if he were lying, he would be focusing on this lie that I'm telling. But he's like, there's there's the line. (laughs) (laughs) It makes makes such bloody good cameras. (laughs) (laughs) Hysterical, hysterical line. And the the way they just totally throw it away. They don't go, hey, funny punchline we just did there. Haratata. Yeah. Kubrick just loves him some big sweaty close-ups of uh, Sterling Hayden. With don't a cigar, we all, don't we all? Yeah, well, yeah. Who doesn't really? Who who couldn't love a, a scene like that? <laughs> poor, <laughs> all that. Hey, come on, come poor, on. Poor Mandrake, hey. God bless him. He's still trying. <laughs> <laughs> Feed me, Mandrake. So, by the way, if ever I say that, that's what I mean. All right, give me a cigarette. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, he's, of course, for a lot of people watching at the time, this is one of the least crazy things he said. Yeah, but <laughs> still talking about I got to answer for this after this life. And here's another here's another one taker and another you know back to Kubrick the 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 filmmaker is you know just a beautifully efficient way of telling the story. I always I always thought the the capper of this of this little sequence here is so great where you don't see anything other than. There's something blocking the door. You know, right. it's such a great way. To, it tells you everything you need to know. It doesn't show us anything. But uh, you know, it just. It... But you know the the nice composition of you can still see him because of the mirror yeah. and stuff like that. People don't shoot that way anymore. Yeah. You know. They they never made them like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. You know, all in one take. Ta-da! Hey, that shot works. That's, that works really. That well, works really yeah. well. Maybe on the big screen, too much jitter, but but uh, they nailed that one. Some of them, I I can't remember which was which, but I remember it being towards the end when it's uh, flying below the radar and it's trying then, to hug the ground. Yeah. Where you're really like, it's just, it's, it's really, it really doesn't work, and then it yeah. becomes kind of a more of a cartoon kind of a thing. Yeah. This I don't think we've mentioned yet that this entire B fifty two cockpit. It's again sixty four height of the Cold War. It's not like you you went to the you know Air Force and go so give me some plans of the interior of a B fifty two cockpit. Um, that was, you know, it's like that. There was, there's no common knowledge of what the interior of a B fifty two looked like. So the Ken Adam and the production design team, they built this entire cockpit set 
based off of a couple, what few pictures there were of like sections of a B-52 cockpit, of which there are virtually none. There's just a couple of pictures available. And everything else they just kind of invented based on other military aircraft and kind of figured out like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's kind of like this. Um, and they, they got a visit from, I don't know if the FBI or the State Department or whatever, but they right. kind of investigated, like, how do you know so much about the interior? Somebody from the <laughs> government went, um, where'd you get all that yeah. material? And they literally had to had to show that we made it up. We totally made it up, you know, based off of this photograph and this picture and this description and a bunch of military surplus hardware, and we just made up a B-52 cockpit. Oh, well, that's uh, what we thought, Then, too. yes, so good. Then let's speak no more of it. Thank you. Good day. <laughs> that's completely uh, – that's ridiculous yes. and inaccurate. <laughs> yes. And we'll, we'll just uh, go now. Because you totally got that part wrong. Uh, yeah. I mean – Because this so. is this, uh, this thing's actually over there. Yeah. <laughs> kill everyone. Kill them all. Kill them all. Jerry, damn shut damn up. Damn it, Jerry. That's the fifth movie crew we've had to, <laughs> we've had to liquidate. <laughs> I just imagine like the – the hands of blue guys from Firefly just walking through Hollywood. <laughs> just, oh god. Uh, the other, um, uh, another interesting thing about this and how it's set up is these are the only guys doing their job competently. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> yeah. they're the only ones who are executing exactly as they're meant to and being very serious and straight, straightforward about it, and while a, still being human. And yeah. as a result, the world will end. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it! Why do these they, guys have to be the competent ones? They're the ones being very earnest and competent, and the rest, everyone else, screwed it up by telling them to do the wrong thing exactly. Yeah. Now this this sequence here is is you know as good as good a good as sequence as uh, you know anyone could ever do. You know it's it's it actually is very you know the, this always reminds me of uh, when the Nostromo gets uh, gets whacked in mm. uh, Alien. It has the same kind of vibe to it. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Ridley Scott would acknowledge that. Yeah, you know, a little Doctor Strange love action in my Nostromo crash sequence. Not so good with the uh, the, with the smoke. The, the smoke, smoke, yeah. yeah. But but inside inside it's uh, oh, yeah. you know it's, shake that camera, shake yeah. it, <laughs> shake it, shaking the camera. And man. the cameraman probably at this point in history is like, what? Do what? Shake it. Like, do you know you do know that it's not on a tripod, right? Yeah, yeah Stanley. I don't think we're gonna have room for a, for a, for a dolly in here. Yeah, uh, that's how we're gonna get how we're gonna shoot this. One of my favorite shots actually comes up later in. It's when they're the Bombay doors won't open, and this is a shot where Slim Pickens goes to the hatch to go back to the Bombay, and it's just the cameras. It's like this is the cameras like shooting out of a glove compartment. <laughs> it's such a tiny space, and everyone's all crushed in together. It's just great. I like how in through most of the movie they've set up these angles that they use over and over again to to keep the crew members kind of separated visually, and then towards the end, uh, was it Slim Pickens or somebody like actually crosses the cabin, and it's only there that you really get a sense it's, of how tiny it's this a space broom is. closet. Yeah, <laughs> they're all in one one closet, and there's guys like on the on the lower deck. There's and the B fifty two is a massive massive airplane. Yeah. I mean, those are eight engines yeah. on, on those wings but, there. But most of it is bombs. <laughs> and there's there's no like you know there's no dance floor you yeah, know, in a B fifty two. You could put one in if you didn't carry all those bombs. Who's the sketch of the woman? What is that? Is that Lucille Ball? Who is that? P.O.E. Now here comes Bat Guano. <laughs> You're a deviated prevert. 
I love it's like, are you crazy? The whole <laughs> yeah. place is destroyed yeah. around him. Yeah. Are you crazy? <laughs> what are you thinking? What are you shooting a gun? Yeah, come on, get yourself together. This is the military. Yeah, <laughs> I love how he doesn't even recognize that it's a uh, British uniform. When yeah, he he's it. like, what kind of uniform you call that? Well, again, this is like you know, in the end, it's like. It's, it's it's a conceivable problem that you know that they're trained to recognize Russians. He this fella in his day to day training probably wasn't trained to recognize an RAF uniform. Like what the hell uniform is that guy wearing? Or probably was and just wasn't paying attention for that yeah, twenty minutes of exactly. the lecture. It's like he's never met an RAF officer, and here's a guy talking all faggy, and you know he could be a Russian spy. So you know it's like there's like if you got a picture for Keenan Wynn, and Keenan Wynn is another great character actor. Uh, it does you know has all kinds of movie credits, but. Uh, you know, you have to picture, picture what his character's been through, what his morning has been like. Right. You know, it's like they had to go attack an Air Force base and then shoot their way in. They had all these casualties. He, you know, this is his objective is to get to this office and get the commanding officer. And here's a guy here going, what's the meaning of this? What's all this about? <laughs> you leave immediately, sir. So, you know, again, Keenan Wynn is, is doing what he should be doing. He is following orders. That would be William Hurt today. Yeah, it does. Yes, it it's totally. It sounds yeah. just like William yeah. Hurt. I never drew a connection between William Hurt and <laughs> Keenan Wynn before. Blast! 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 And damn! Damn! And this one is like, and the, oh, <laughs> well, damn. that's not going to help either. <laughs> yeah, right. He calls him Charlie. Yeah, I wonder if that's the etymology of. That particular uh, term in the military. <laughs> but in terms of he, he thinks he's Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. If it was 64, I guess maybe that, well. Proto-Vietnam yeah. at the time. We had advisors. So here you go, the auto-destruct. Which I wonder, you know, the auto-destruct is always a thing. I'm like, do we really have an auto-destruct? Is there anything? The, auto- the, yeah. the auto-destruct is like a doomsday weapon. It's like really... Aren't there like 9,000 bad things that can happen with an autodestruct? And, and the one time you might actually want one, how often is that really going to happen? I mean, just in terms of playing the odds. You know, it's like, do you really want an autodestruct? Because it just sounds like something that would be... It's a device that pops up all the time in, in fiction, and in particular science fiction. And you wonder if it's something that actually exists in, in real yeah, life. I know. I really do. I just, you know, just, I, we've raised this question in other commentaries, but I, I think, you know, does the USS Nimitz... Is there, a, is there a thing somewhere where the captain goes in and goes, code 77-Niner-Niner, and the executive <laughs> officer goes, 3100, and the thing explodes? I mean, do we have that? Why do we have that, is my question. Really? Or is that just kind of a silly thing? Well, in Black Hawk Down, the helicopters crash, and they have to blow them up with conventional Well, they have to, yeah, scuttling a helicopter well, yeah, but in, I'm behind saying, enemy I'm lines that makes the, uh, sense. The, uh, the helicopter itself was obviously not equipped <laughs> with any kind of... Yeah, they had practice. to improvise that Right. One. Now the I think I may have mentioned it when this topic whatever whatever episode it came up in there was a, a not so great uh, television show years ago called Something Is Out There where an alien spacecraft comes to orbit Earth and uh, there's a monster on board it's kind of a knockoff of Alien and uh, and there's a monster on board and he kills the whole crew except for this one crew member who escapes to Earth and the monster follows her and blah 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 and she makes up friends with a cop and they go back up to the spaceship and so she and the cop are running around on her spaceship and the monster is chasing them and he goes I know I know we'll use the self destruct and she's like the what <laughs> he goes don't you have a self destruct a thing that'll blow up the spaceship and she goes why would you have something like that on your spaceship? And he's like, okay, never mind. Forget it. It was a stupid idea. And then she, she won't let it go is the, is the beautiful joke of it. It's actually the best scene in the whole show where she's like, you know, continues to like 
What show is no. this? It's it's called Something Is Out There. It was a TV uh, started as a TV movie, became a short lived TV series in the eighties, and uh, was famous because Rick Baker did the creature. But um, it turns into this whole thing where where she she won't let it go. Like what a stupid idea, self destruct is. And she goes, and even if we had one, I'm just a lieutenant. I mean, how would I? I wouldn't even know where we had it. Where, why would they tell me how the self destruct works? He's let it go. Okay, fine, forget it. It was, right, a, it was a stupid idea. Drop it. But I, that was the best part of it. It was the, one of the most, you know, first time anyone ever kind of said, let's take the trope of the self-destruct and point out that that doesn't make a lot of sense to have a self-destruct. Because just as just as it's, as we've said many times, it's like in real life, it's very easy to deactivate a nuclear bomb because that's the thing you want to be easy. Right. Um, it's the very You want same. the blowing up to be yeah. the hard part. If you have a B-52 b- filled with bombs, I think you spend most of your effort making it not blow up. <laughs> instead of building in a device to deliberately make it blow up. I, but that's just I, me. I love his uh, obsession with the pre-versions and stuff. Yeah, like he, everything's like a pre-version. Like he's going out of his way to call the president just to like breathe heavily <laughs> on the line at him. What are you wearing, like, Mr. President? <laughs> are you wearing a maid's outfit? Perhaps some nylons? This is also coming up here is one of my favorites. Uh comedic moments with the with the coke machine really i it's the I was, my take is it's it's the one it's the one joke that's a little doesn't quite land oh really because it's so it's so kind of you know oh i buy obvious. it completely mm. it, it's it's very clear it's clearer than any than any other of the situations i would say but i could still and maybe this is because of my personal background but i could completely see this happening i think it might i could see it happening i think it might be the uh i I'm probably maybe may even we'll see it when it happens in a moment, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm I think I probably object to the sitcommy way that people tend to do. Like, oh my gosh, a stream of unexpected fluid is pouring upon me, and I'll stand here and just oh, let it yeah. happen. So maybe it's just the the staging that, of that it shot, yeah. that uh, you know. But yeah, but the, the joke the, is fine. The situation, the situation. Yeah, I, I think it might be just to be the 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 kind of sort of hanny way that it's played. It's like, oh no, oil and slime is pouring down upon me. I'll do a take to camera. Oh! Um, Kind of spoils it for me, but uh, yeah, the idea that he shoots the coke machine open and, and havoc ensues makes perfect sense. I love how he's trying to get through in the normal <laughs> channel. Still, he's not yeah. just like fucking put it through. He's like, okay, wait. So uh, I, it's okay if I. Well, let's try this kind. Of, it's not really long distance, so yeah. we don't have to. I mean, just put it. You know, it's like shit, fucking put connect me to the president, bitch. <laughs> why doesn't he? God use damn his, it! <laughs> why doesn't he use his iPhone? Now the yeah, what what is. Trey, maybe you know what, what is long distance exactly? Was <laughs> yeah. that some, was what, that a thing? Why is he putting money into that phone? Yeah. I don't understand. Um, well, why see, why is he not taking the iPhone with him? Yeah, he you goes. see kids. Why doesn't he just now? No, this it is a one one plot hole thing. Is like if if Keenan Wynn's mission was to get you know Burpleson to Burpleson Air Force Base and get Ripper on the phone to the president, doesn't he have some kind of line to the president, or they didn't, they did not think that through all the way? You know, I would I would just think that. You're that, gonna have to answer to the that, Gu- that guano. Company. That guano would have to have a way to, you know. Say. Now the fact that he just goes, "Hey, it's spraying on my face," and I'll but continue. The, but to they start there. to fade away immediately. Yeah, so. it's you know, otherwise it's not a long be, take. Yeah. yeah, it's just a little too, you know, it's a little, little too on the nose. But anyway, so here we are. Here we are actually doing a plot. You know, hey, everything's fine except that other one. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Those those planes are turning around awfully fast. I, yeah. I, <laughs> when they head home, man, they just they go. They just kick on those afterburners and they go <laughs> so he's gonna, this is the well we're all good everything's fine 
the good speech. The system, the system works. Man, we really are heroes, aren't <laughs> yes, we? Yes, wow, we saved the day there. We are awesome. <laughs> or, I, 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 whereas, of course, he's been the guy who's been like, "Well, it's hopeless, really." Yeah, so we should attack just, them. Let's just keep going. There's nothing we can do, so uh, <laughs> so we should kill well. everybody. That's what we should do. <laughs> but we're humanitarians. Peace is our profession. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pardon me if you kids would just stop singing for one second. <laughs> that was a great shot of strange love. That was the very Kubrick. But before, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the moment where it's that's like, That's like Ooh. the 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 shot you think of when yeah. you think of strange love. It's a shot I think of when I think of your mom. Oh. That's weird. When I think of your mom, I think of a doomsday device. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Well, at this point, we're kind of you go, going into the procedure now. Is kind of like okay. Well, I'm not sure <laughs> we need to know this fuel thing. Yeah. Just, okay. Well, that, actually, no. Okay. It's, it's a plot it's point. That is important. It's yeah. a plot point coming up. But uh, and then we're back to the the apology. Like, no, no, it's I'm not lying. It really, I'm not kidding. Once the once again, the ambassador has to stand there and make his bullfrog face. <laughs> Five days I've been on the set with this guy making this face. So here comes here comes Scott's biggest craziest over the top speech. <laughs> the the uh, the we can't help but talk about how awesome a B fifty two is, which is true, wasn't it? Isn't it the B fifty two that was called the the crews called it the Buff, the B U F F. I don't know. I, I believe colloquially, you know, one, of, one of the things they just told us civilians. It's not really true, but I remember hearing that the. In in house name for the the B fifty two was the Buff, which they decided stands for Big Ugly Fat Fucker, but uh, <laughs> just because it was such a huge plane, you know, and it was like they'd be so loaded down when they'd lift off. I love that they're already back to yeah. Well, we no, fucked that up, and yeah. we really should we're instead going. of learning the lesson of whoa that came close, and maybe we should. He's like oh, fucking yeah. commies, no and fucking is, commies. It's probably their fault. They're yeah, probably, yeah they're somehow something. they orchestrated all this. Yeah. It's a trick. It's a big trick. <laughs> Seller's line on that one is so great. Like, he can't. <laughs> the little whimper when he keeps trying to phrase the question <laughs> is this oh, is it, <laughs> is it's <laughs> great. Yeah, I can't. you better do something. Yeah. The president's like, you better shoot us down. Yeah, you so had better shoot us down. <laughs> what's what's weird is again, this is exactly the same plot as failsafe. So, uh-huh. and again, they're both they're both based on diff- on different novels. So, you know, what, what, <laughs> the yeah, look yeah, yeah, amazing. Amazing. Scott's just all facial expressions. <laughs> it's all just one big take. With bad actors, you'll find a lot of the times they're only really acting when they're saying their lines, uh-huh. and especially in you know in coverage. If we're shooting a scene, and you know, I got my lines on my angle, and then we'll yeah. flip the camera. I'll wait till you're yours. done talking, and then I'll act, and then I'll start to act again. But. Man, is George C. Scott acting every moment? <laughs> yeah. Like you know, on he's this an, setup, he's not even moving yeah. most of this time. But he's, <laughs> but he's acting. It looks like it looks like the DVD is frozen, except yeah. for you can <laughs> see those movements when he does that. Yeah, but he's like he's finding every single moment where he can do something, and he does it. Now the 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 story goes. The onset story was that you know he Scott wanted to play it a little more you know straight, 
Um, and and he would Kubrick would let him have the straight takes, and then he would say, "Now give me one where you just go crazy over the top." Right. And Scott would do it, and those are the takes that Kubrick always used. And yeah. and, and Scott was a little supposedly miffed afterwards that like you're making me look like making me look like an idiot. You know, that uh, you know, he didn't like that uh, he was always this, like, crazy arm-waving character. He wanted to play it more straight. But, but Well, you know. I found, uh, at least working with uh, a lot of the Playhouse, the guys I know at Playhouse and who are have more theater training, there's this sense that gets repeated a lot where, you know, the you don't have to do as much for the camera because it's so much closer and it's, it's you know, so much more intimate. And something that might be big on stage because you've got to reach the guy in the last row, you don't want to be that big. Sure. Which there's an ele- element of truth to that, sure. But I find a lot of the times with when actors have that in mind, they become very reserved on, on screen. And so I, I'm working with those guys, a lot of times they're like, okay, we've, we've got kind of the subtle thing. Now the last one... Don't worry about being too over the top and just, you know, dive in as deep as you want. And a lot of times that's the take I do end up using because it's it's not over the top at all. It's not like, oh, God, that that was for the last row kind of a thing. But it has a, a, a liveliness, a presence to it that the other takes don't right. have. Right. There's a, there's a sense of there, – there's a problem with kind of intellectualizing it. It's like, it's like you don't want to be really broad like you would be on stage for the last row or whatever. Right. But – but when you're thinking of that consciously, like you say, it's too reserved. Yeah. And when you say just go for it, they've still got a thing right in their face. So they have a, a yeah. natural tendency to not be crazy <laughs> with – th- like just yeah. like you wouldn't yell at a person right in front Who's of you unless you were from you. Yeah. angry at them or whatever. But, um, you know, so so they're able to find the balance without thinking about the fact that they're finding a balance. Yeah. Well, the th- yeah, the, of course, the difference with film acting is like, you know, than stage acting is, is uh, you know, you don't – if you go out on stage and you go, I'm going to play it like this tonight, that you might look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. But in a, in a movie, assuming that everyone involved has good taste and the editor and director in post-production have good taste, you can go, yeah, I had that that one that one take where I had Jersey Scott go over the top and he went way over the top and we're not going to use it. Right. You know, and, but then you go, you know, actually I thought it was way too much, but now in context, when I look at it, it's exactly what we need and we're going to go with it. You know, you have that freedom to like literally go, I'm going to do one where I'm going to play it like – you know, a twelve-year-old girl, and I'm going to do one where I'm going to play it like I'm a piece of toast, and <laughs> and you know, and you can do that. You know, you you have the freedom to try that and experiment with that. So this is you know, it's almost impossible to get bigger than Scott in this speech. You know, <laughs> hell yeah! Oh right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? No, now I don't even know what I mean. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I'm so excited. Yeah, America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. America, fuck yeah. USA, oh. America, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is again. It's like it's, it's a it's a as crazy and and broad as that was that was played. It's it's, you know, again, these, it these guys worked their whole lives so that this could happen. That right. these guys we can actually get a B fifty two into Russian airspace and get a bomb on with, the target. With the entire Russian air force yeah. chasing. Them. No matter how hard they try and stop yeah. us, we can get through. And it's like well, and we were right. We yeah. were right. We can do it. These guys can absolutely do it. And the the music, of course. Yeah, the Johnny comes marching home. It just continues to, to go. Which, if I'm not mistaken, they they stole that from uh, Die Hard uh, Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which stole from Surrogates. <laughs> got it from <laughs> Surrogates. <laughs> Absolutely got it from Surrogates. Yeah, Strange Love is is really kind of sadly a, a, owes quite a bit to Surrogates. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Slim Pickens' uh, performance in Surrogates is leagues and bounds. He was he was great. Yeah, he was great. And 
Especially playing six different characters. I mean, that's tough. <laughs> James Earl Jones, the, 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 uh, there's a special edition version of this, uh, with, uh, this movie that I have that uh, has a whole bunch of documentaries and has James Earl Jones talking present day, reminiscing about it and talking about working with, you know, Slim Pickens, you know, of all people. It's like, uh, so Slim Pickens came in to do this movie, so he walked on the stage and, uh, and, Jones thought, "Oh, look, he's in costume already." You know, because he came in, he's got his fringy jacket, he's got his cowboy hat going. It's like, no, that's that's Slim Pickens. Now, that's now I don't know Slim him. Pickens other than from this movie. What was his? Uh... He's he's in every other western ever made. All right, um, you might actually know him from Leon. Uh, some years later, he was in Blazing Saddles. He was like, uh, "Oh, do the Camp Town Ladies." And uh, all right, shoot. You know, it's like he plays that guy in Blazing Saddles. But he always played that guy. He only ever played this guy. You know, but he, he's in every Western that, uh, you know, I want to say I think the, the, the camera operator is doing a great job on this sequence with the zooms and panning right to what he needs to and stuff like that. I'm very impressed. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, very, it's very tight work that he's doing Yeah, these here. are tiny little, tiny little <laughs> things they're zooming in, on. Tight corridors. Yeah, yeah. James Earl Jones, and he's he's doing a hell of a job. This is James's little moment where yeah. he's like, you know, can't get the damn bomb doors open. Yeah, and again, they're 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 the ones playing this straight. Yeah. Like they don't know what's going right. on back, which the, is a realistic movie. thing. They don't know what's going on back home. They're just doing their yeah. job. The, the way movie they do they're it. in is not a comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now there, there's some people say, and I have no idea if it's true or not, but some people say that Kubrick didn't even tell Pickens this was a comedy. So Pickens is just playing. I mean, he is. He's, however, he got the performance out of him. You know, Pickens isn't playing funny. He's he's you know he's pushing it just a little bit. Sometimes it's probably his nuclear combat toe to toe with the Ruski speech. It's probably about the farthest he pushes it. But uh, which is probably the, just a result of <laughs> casting Slim, Slim Pickens, Pickens yeah, for that role. Exactly. That's what you get when you cast Slim Pickens. But. Uh, it's just an insane casting choice, but in, in the, retrospect, it's like I can't. Who else could? Have, who else can you picture doing it? He's just he's perfect for this. What's the old saying? It's like fifty uh, percent of the director's job is casting. Yeah, I'd say more than fifty. Yeah, yeah I, I would say some, some say ninety. Yeah. So there you go. Now you see now it's just like that's the entire space. Yeah, <laughs> it's like most of those guys are there. Two guys are down below, and that's it. I have no idea. Yeah, what does that, that even does that mean? mean? Hair lips, everybody on Bear <laughs> it's like Creek. Something turns into Doctor Phil. Yeah, <laughs> she's trying to form a relationship, and you're shooting pig sandwiches out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, everybody, again, the really hi there, and dear John, the beginning and end of a relationship. Yeah, <laughs> that's how a relationship begins, and how how a relationship ah. ends, right there. They're they're trying a thing with the shadow on the ground in these shots. Too. Well, this because well, they well, it's trying. because they got the 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 actual ch- ch- plane. They caught its own shadow, so they're trying oh. to match it up. So it's pretty clever. Now this is I love this set. This set is you know wonderfully sparse. It's just these big like, look at the freaking nuclear warheads there. He's just climbing on it. Yeah. I mean, that becomes the gag later, but <laughs> yeah, even right now, he's just like, just like, all right, let me get what, uh, oh, I'll step up on this. And <laughs> Swat the wiring with my hat. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Stop sparking you. <laughs> Don't make me come up there. Now, this scene actually manages to be, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's suspenseful. You want these guys to, you know, yeah, come you, on, you, you can find, do it. Well, no. You find yourself rooting for these yeah. guys well, that, to make it. That's the difficult part. Like, you're simultaneously, like, because you're trained to root in this situation, <laughs> yeah. in these movies. And at the same time, you're like, wait, wait, no, no. no. Screw up. <laughs> yeah, don't no, let them open the thing. Don't do it. But you're like, no, <laughs> Fail, fail. Yeah. 
<laughs> a little subtle thing there. It's like it's again one of those things where you you think it's a joke, but I would not be surprised if it's not real or there aren't some of the things. The fact that the bomb says this side down on it, <laughs> like when they had that low angle, the bomb says this side down. Now that seems that seems crazy, but you know why not? I mean, well, why not put that on there just in case? Because you don't want that to be, like, like for example, Claymore Mines. You know, there's a Claymore Mine is a you know thing you stick in the ground and explodes on the Claymore Mine. I don't know if it says it now, but in Vietnam era, the Claymore Mine said this side toward enemy because um, that's actually good information. You actually want that you know, to be clear. You don't want to have to be rely on your memory as to which side of the Claymore points out. Or it's so. like on, on the decks of aircraft carriers where the giant paid insides of beware of jet blast. Yeah. It's like, um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to look out for that on this aircraft carrier deck. Yeah. But, but know, I mean, in those no, si- it's a piece of paint, you know, a yeah. little paint and a, a safe reminder there. Why not? And in those situations when you're, you know, dealing with people shooting you're at not, you. And you're, you're not, not thinking gonna, about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you look up, you're like, oh, right, that. Yeah. Thanks, sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yay. I'm gonna come out of this with my face. So here we go. So here's, assuming I'm not shot in it. So here we go. <laughs> one of the one of the great iconic sequences in movie history coming up here. <laughs> it's like it's where the, it's where the it's where the uh, now the set wasn't designed to do this. This was actually a fairly late addition. So the scene of him dropping out is actually a, a process shot and a still picture of the of the set. That's actually an optical that they just did, not just the exterior. Wow. It, did, it does look a little funky. It does look funky, not, but it works. Awful. Yeah. It totally the works. The way the tilt works. The, yeah. I like that you can see the edge of the process shot in this here, yeah. though. Yeah, you can bottom. actually see the <laughs> see the edge of the plate. <laughs> Honestly, though, if if. If that was going to be what happened, I'd probably ride the bomb down too. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. It's kind of. When else are you going to get that interesting, Kind of a strangely intriguing idea. <laughs> on the list of way to die, ways yeah. to die. Yeah. It's, and you, you can. You, you're one of the few people who it's. You're pretty sure it's going to kill you. Yeah. Without yeah. much fuss. Yeah. Like <laughs> so check out the size of my penis, you yeah. riskies. Here it comes, open wide. Now this is where, this is where the movie just goes off totally insane. Yeah. And where they just, just turn they just turn Peter Sellers loose. And yeah. This whole idea of his his Nazi arm that yeah. he can't <laughs> control. <laughs> it's just where this this literally does feel like it's in a different movie. And yet, but this but this is the part like I watched it and I was like I like this movie. It's pretty good. And then he yeah. started doing that and I'm like I love this movie. Yeah. <laughs> now, there was this bizarre little subtle thing he just did there that you know where he. <laughs> His his hand already has the thing he's looking for somehow. <laughs> like his hand is doing things all the time that he's he can't control. It's like and in this in the wider shot that they were just on, you can see later in the scene the uh, Russian ambassador almost breaking in the scene. Oh really? Okay. You can see him starting to crack. Just yanks really it out fighting. of that other hand. Give me that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he's halfway through the sentence before yeah, he realizes no, what I mean, he just so, said. <laughs> so, so this, you know, the, figuring out how to end the movie was complicated because you know the the ending, you know, that they decided to have originally with the pie fight, they don't they didn't have. So they were like, so how do, how how do we end the movie? You know, what are we gonna? How we, what, what will be our last thing? Um, and I remember, uh, I think it was Roger Ebert uh, wrote an essay where he he thought that th- these last two sequences were out of order that. Uh, Rather than this being the last sequence, that the movie should have ended with 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 Slim with Pickens, yeah. you know, mushroom, that, 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 that there's no yeah. topping that. Yeah, um, and it would it would I make sense, that. you know, it I would it would make sense because this is this is them discussing like, well, we'll be okay, but then, you know, it's like it. I can see how structurally the other way around would have would feel funny too in certain ways because the that whole bomb run, 
you know, is like, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to break that, that length of suspense. Yeah. So it's, you know, this, this seems like a, you know, a conversation that they should, <laughs> it's a conversation that they should be having before the bomb drops. Right. You know, because now supposedly the Holocaust is happening and they're having this rather kind of, you know, calm discussion about what happens next. So it's it's a tough call. And of it, course, it, the, the hilarious misogyny being like, well, we'll just have to get a bunch of chicks and I'll yeah, bang ten of them. I oh. mean, it'll be a, it'll be tough work. It's going to be yeah. a hard, hard life. It's, but I'm liking this theory. But we have got to do it for the species. Yeah, and for America. <laughs> you know, I would, I would like to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the arm is taking him off somewhere. There he goes. That's, yeah. This is very much what you're talking about. Being like, uh, this is my line, but I'm just gonna. Do stuff. <laughs> yeah, here you go. You can see the the Russian ambassador. Yeah, there, oh, there he goes. Yeah, he's, he's, he's trying. Oh, he he got it under control. <laughs> he held on to it. But he had to do the thing where I can't look at him. I just yeah, gotta close I my just eyes. Have to not look and hope for the best. I have to th- <laughs> have to think about baseball for a second there. <laughs> it's a, a, a spirit, by the way. But the subtitle said spurt. <laughs> just there which I think is a, an accident his his war with his arm makes this scene brilliant <laughs> again it's just like just this would be such a dry scene if he were yeah. trying to battle his arm at every and everyone, now everyone's just like taking it in stride like yeah well he makes a good point yeah yeah, so 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 tell me again about all the fucking we'll have yeah, to do back, back up about the, the fucking part now what was that Of the so-called <laughs> what? So, but as opposed to what? To yeah, they're literally saying it. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to fuck a lot of people, but it's yeah. a sacrifice yeah. we're willing to make. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it! Here he goes <laughs> with the arm. <laughs> so again, it's a, it's just a very and uh, we'll have to find the prettiest ones. Yeah. by the way, it's yes. Kubrick though. It's Kubrick though. Yeah. Going, you know, here's the here's the. Uh, you know, here's the here's the end of the movie. This whole movie about the nuclear holocaust ends with this bizarro monologue about how we're gonna all go live in a mine shaft and with, and with sleep, Playboy bunnies and play with and, and, and screw Playboy bunnies for the next century. So, <laughs> and here's the other the other final punchline with the, uh, the the Russian ambassador as well. Like after his whole, all of his indignance about oh crazy when, Americans really don't trust us. Anymore. Yes, when it makes no difference whatsoever, he just can, can't help himself. <laughs> it's a scene that that scene with the Russians. It, it almost is like it's almost like a sop to the uh, to the public at the time. Like, yeah, the Russians would do that. They, no matter what, they still would be trying to take pictures. <laughs> and then this bizarro. This like, here's the last line. <laughs> there you go. I just. I, it's an ending on paper that like that does not work, but by golly, when you put it in a movie, <laughs> somehow. I, I but doubt, of course, I doubt that was on paper. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, like that's what I'm yeah. saying. On paper, if you wrote that down, yeah. yeah here's yeah. my script, and in the last line is my Fuhrer. Is I can walk. he gets out of his wheelchair and says, "My Fuhrer, I can walk." Uh, no, I don't see that working. But, but of course, I mean, we were going back to what you were saying. You know, there's the there's the gag about you know the Russians can't help themselves. But simultaneously, the conversation going on on the American side yeah. is we're gonna have to we're gonna have to fight them and we're gonna have fuck fuck more than them yeah. because we, otherwise because you know be, you know they got mine shafts yeah. and they're fucking their beautiful women there. 
and and exactly and it's it's really is a counterpoint it's like it's like yeah nothing got solved this is yeah. still nothing yeah. the world Everybody ended went through all of this nothing is solved or learned yeah <laughs> by what just happened the and world... the really horrifying thing is we have all the stock footage yeah and every one of these shots is a real shot of a nuclear yeah. bomb exploding yeah, yeah. And that one had a plane wing in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We're flying. Hey, look. There's a nuclear bomb over there. That's awesome. How about that? It's not in this movie, but there's yeah. there's uh, footage of... Uh... Nas <laughs> and wing. Uh, are you still here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was yeah. the first thing I had to say was the Lion King joke. Jesus, Tig. Lion King. Mr. Chatterbox over there. I know. The, uh, what an edge was. It's the, it's the footage of uh, you know the guys where the, there's, a, there's a nuclear blast and the guys come out of the foxhole to look at it. You know, They're uh-huh. right there and they... In the zone. Well, at least they did. Well, were they in a red line refrigerator? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Look at that. That's a nifty type type work there. And again, old school 60s credits where we got the credits out of the way. Now we just say the end. Good night. I actually, uh, I like that movie uh, better than I did the first time. I think I'm I'm a fan of that movie. You were actually just watching it that time. That's that's Yeah, because, you know, I had nothing else to say about it. My my voice hurts. Brian, has your opinion changed or? (laughs) Oh, well, now I see what a piece of crap it is. Oh, Oh, you're just being contrary now because I said I liked it. Yeah. You son of a bitch. No, it's a a work of genius. It really is. Cool. Darkman? Uh yeah, I wanna I wanna get that uh, that edition you have with all the behind the scenes. It's stuff. it's really good. I, I, I just want to see more. Darth I almost Vader. brought it, huh? You just want to see more Darth. I Vader do. I want him to tell. I want Darth Vader yeah. to tell me about the Cold War. Yeah, that's what I want. I almost brought it. I didn't think that uh, I actually get a sale of. I was gonna say, oh, we should totally do this movie, but I didn't. I didn't think that we'd I'd be able to convince the rest of you to do it. So <laughs> it serves me right. Trey? Um, well, I was the one who said we should totally do Doctor Strange Love because I just had just recently watched rewatched it and thought, my God, that movie is awesome and should be watched. So, so if if nothing else, hopefully we've you know made people watch it. Go watch it, kids. Go watch Doctor Strange Love. Anyway, this has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Go to iTunes, subscribe, get a brand new episode every single week. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com/downinfront, Facebook. Cafe Press, buy a shirt. Please go to our website, go to the store, and buy the DVD from us, because if you do, we get a buck. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Register in the and forum. The, and this is a movie you should own. Yeah. Quite Regis- register in the forum, involve yourself with the conversation. Please tell your friends about that in front. And until next time, my name is T. Christie. And I'm Brian Finister. Mike Scott. Trey uh, now, Trey, we've talked about this. Remember? <laughs> and this has been Down in Front. Thank you for listening. Good night, good night. Mike Fiora, I can walk. <laughs> Trendsinyourhead.com.